This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Maureen in New Zealand, and what a fine one it is as well. Uh, for the next uh, three hours, we can uh, do the show with a smile on our face, and why not? And we'll focus uh, a lot on cricket as well. We'll talk in the first half hour to uh, selector Gavin Larson. Uh, I want to find out a little bit more about this Gary Stead. I mean, does he, uh, does he do the strategy well? I mean, is he doing a good job with this team or what? Uh, together, they're picking it exactly right. Uh, also, we're going to try and uh, catch up with uh, the batting coach, Luke Ronke, uh, out of uh, Abu Dhabi. So that'll be cool. Uh, and then we're going to, I uh, hope he got his name right, Rodri, Rodri O'Connor. I'll have to check that out. He's an Irish rugby reporter uh, on the Test match coming up this weekend. Tom Donnelly will be with us, coach of Otago. Of course, I've got a big player, semi-final match against Manawatu tomorrow night. Jim Kays and Jordan Oppert will be on the panel this morning. Ricardo Ball and his usual uh, Thursday slot in terms of uh, what's going on in the football world uh, and then we're going to go uh, Greyhound Racing as well with uh, the racing manager for Greyhound Racing New Zealand Michael Dore, busy show and very very diverse in its process Sport is our religion and here is Smithy's Sermon Well what do they say about revenge being a dish best served cold I certainly hope you're enjoying your muesli Retribution, what a lovely word Payback, smaller, but just as nice. It won't fix Lords of 2019, but it certainly eases any long-lasting pain. To win on the big stage, to win those big moments, you have to have belief. Kane Williamson is a believer. Daryl Mitchell clearly is a believer. And hell now, we are all believers. We should be. We should all have the faith. This Black Caps bunch is a fine unit, precisionly picked, analysed and prepared, chock full of doers, not hopers. As a collective, they run, they dive, commit, skimp and save. They've long been regarded as the beacon in the park. Their standards shine the brightest. As individuals, they continually find themselves discovering new boundaries. The ropes seemingly have no bounds. The king of Twitter, James Neesham, can tweet for the world 11, but he found the spark at the right end with the blade today. Mitchell will deservedly get the headlines, but it was Nisham's 27 off 11 that set it up and righted the ship. It must have been incredible. I'm sure it must have been incredible. It really was, because I I think I saw at one stage Kane Williamson on his feet clapping. Steady, son, steady. And on that subject, hasn't he moulded a good unit? Made some great calls, the coach from Canterbury. 
hardly recognisable. Be honest, would you know him if he walked into your local pub? Gary Stead should get a Halberg this year, and the whole bunch should dust off the penguin suits, and yes, that's in an Olympic year as well. Steady on, as you say, we are not there yet. One more big step, and you are right. Who will we play? Does it matter? Probably not, because uh, we can roll them both. But for this old veteran, if there's another dose of retribution and payback to be handed out in this world of vaccinations, let it be the Aussies. Please, let it be the bullies. For New Zealand. <laughs> Look at the dugout. Mitchell. Oh. A quite magnificent, marvellous effort. And finishes with a boundary, meaning New Zealand. Win by five wickets and advance to the final of the ICC Men's T20 World Cup with an over despair. Commentary live on SENZ uh, earlier this morning, ball by ball there, and we'll be doing the final as well. Don't worry about that. So now four finals in six years. Incredible consistency. Uh, Mitchell, uh, the opening masterstroke, uh, and also Nisham delivering in a clutch situation, and Tim Southey, superb again with the new ball. Uh, did it vary what happened in uh, England in 2019? Probably not. But uh, it certainly went a long way towards it from my point of view. And I'm sure it might have just even brought a smile to the general manager of selections for New Zealand cricket, Gavin Larson. Good morning to you, sir. Yeah, morning, Smithy. How did you watch that, man? Were you, were you, uh, were you watching it from behind a pillow? Were you, you confident? That, what was your mood? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm feeling a bit fuzzy this morning, I have to say. But uh, well worth it, mate. Um, Awesome win from the lads. Um, got up in the middle of the night like a few others around the country, Smithy, I'm sure, and just enjoyed watching it uh, from home. And, uh, yeah, very, very, very pleasing. I mean, this game, this T20 game, can throw up some very unlikely scenarios when it comes to run chases, etc. It seems almost nothing um, is impossible, but that was a really stiff task when Nisham said about it. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, and I must admit, I sort of, I mean, it wasn't all doom and gloom because, as you alluded to, Smithy, um, I mean, it's quite a fickle game, T20, and one big over can can make a huge difference, and we saw that. Um, I mean, Nisha's innings was um, oh, it was magnificent. You know, the ability to come in and clear the ropes from ball one. It's uh, there's something pretty special and X factor about about Jimmy. We know that. Um, and then, you know, Daryl's contribution, um, I mean, simply awesome, really. It, it seems with Daryl Mitchell, it, it, it look across the board in, in terms of the cricket that he's played, and, you know, he's popped in and out of the, the sides that, that you guys have been picking, but it seems you, if you give the guy a job, he, he generally gets it done. Yeah, you did right. It's, it's um, I mean, he's got character, and I heard... Uh, Steady talking about him the other day, and, and that was the word he used quickly, and I use it a lot as well. There's something, there's something pretty special about him. I think he's he, he's made for the for the big stage, and he's certainly you know proved that to us over the last couple of seasons. 
um, in all three formats. You know, and what he's done in this tournament, you know, we've, um, you know, we reached to left field, really, to, to give him an opportunity at the top of the order, and um, there was just a gut feel there that, you know, he was the man for the job, and boy, how he, uh, how he proved that last night. Yeah, he did, uh, and, you know, I wouldn't write him off to do it again next time around either. There's just, there's some some quality about the kid, whether he's come into it a little bit later in life and he's a bit more mature than some. I'm not sure, Gav, but, um, you know, he, he, he really is, is in good shape. But I, I, I want to ask you about the coach because uh, I made a, a reference before that if Gary Stead walked into most pubs in the country, no one would know who he was. Ian Foster walks in. Everyone knows who Ian Foster is. Gary Stead, um, to me, is one of the unsung heroes here. <laughs> yeah, I like that description. Oh, man, you did right. And uh, Steady, Steady wouldn't have it any other way, mate. Um, you know, he, he's measured, he's controlled, he likes the, the back seat role. Um, he pulls the strings, I think, beautifully in behind the scenes. Um, he's crafted a a really superb um, sort of management team ar- around him, the, the, the assistant coaches mm. um, and the general management guys. They, they do a great job. Uh, they're all unsung heroes to me. It's just a, it's just a very well-oiled machine and behind the scenes and, and, and steady sits on on top of that. Um, I love working with them. Uh, you know, from a selection standpoint, we have you know, some pretty good discussions, sometimes robust, but um, boy, he's clever and... Uh, he knows his cricket inside out, um, and I think we're very, very lucky to have him have him holding the reins at the moment. Hess was brilliant, uh, you know, in his own way, um, setting things up, and, and, and Gary's just carrying things on nicely. He is. I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, it was set up uh, quite some time ago, but it, it takes a good man to come in and uh, with his own methods and, and not upset the balance, and certainly he's added to it there. And I, there's another bloke I, I'd, I'd quite like to mention because uh, he... He's often, uh, the, the, what, the third cog in the wheel, sometimes even lower down. But Tim Southey is another one. Very seldom uh, does Tim Southey let you down. And uh, he was, again, I think, one of the steadying influences in the bowling today. Oh, look, he, he, I, I thought he was awesome. And, and, you know, to get through three overs in the power play at the top, um, it, it's unusual. Um, but he did it. Um, he did it brilliantly. Uh, look, he's got better and better, Smithy, over the last few years. And again, I'll you know, in T Twenty cricket, he's taken his game to another level. He's, I mean, he's incredibly experienced now, crafty. Um, you know, and he's full of guile. He's not the quickest bowler on earth. We all know that. But boy, he's clever. And you know, in terms of um, executing to plans, you know, he's he's right out of the top drawer. And um, gee, you know, I just hope we can get a few few more years out of him yet. Uh, the other thing that I think has been uh, well warranted now, and and the, the theory has been been well rewarded, was the fact that you find your eleven and you stick with your eleven. Uh, aside from uh, Lockie Ferguson, uh, really pulling out injured, um, you found the balance and you stayed with it, even against the sides that you knew you were going to beat. You know, I think that's crucial, Smithy. Um, this is tournament play. Um, you know, it's not a it's not a situation where you want to try things out or, or rotate players out to give someone a bit of game time. It's you know, we always take the approach that everything's sudden death in tournament play, and uh, you know, we settled on that eleven nice and early. We had that eleven earmark right from the start, and um, you know, other than Lockie, of course, which was um, incredibly. Um, 
sad for him. Having a, a, a backup um, in the squad like Milne's been um, been awesome, and he's slotted in just so seamlessly. Um, so yeah, look, um, same 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 eleven, and um, I can assure you, mate, unless something tragically goes wrong off the park, um, we'll have the same eleven yeah. in the final. Just finally, Gav, uh, who who do you think we're better balanced to play in the final? I mean, we've seen Pakistan; we're uh, quite ruthless. But then there's the old foe who we've stumbled against uh, for year after year after year. Who are, who right now do you think we're better balanced to beat? Yeah, it's a really good question, Smitty. Um, I mean, I started by you know, thinking this morning that it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, in a way, it doesn't. Uh, you know, whatever team we play, you know, we we know we've got we've got a great chance. You know, we're in good nick, we're in good form. We've got players who are on top of their game. And I think I won't say we're feared, but um, I think other teams look at us now and um, and they think they're going to you know be in a be be in the battle against us, um, which is which is true. Um, Pakistan, it's probably the um, the emotion around the Pakistani teams teams that sort of worry me a little bit, Smithy, you know, when they get on a bit of a roll and they'll have the crowd, you know, on their side too. Um, and I heard your intro, mate, and I couldn't—I probably couldn't agree more that, you know, if we're going to win a, a white ball final, it would be lovely to do it against the old foe, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would for me, Gav. Um, we, we go back a long way and we've seen a bit and, um, and we've been on the receiving end of quite a lot of that bit too, so... Hey mate, thanks. This, thanks for this one. I know, we, I know we're not there yet. I know we're not there yet, but uh, I think we needed to talk about uh, a very special win and a very special performance. And thanks very much for sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you, Smithy, and thanks for your support, mate. Yeah, cheers. All the best. Uh, and that final was uh, coming up very shortly. And uh, as Gav Larson has said, they won't, uh, they won't go away from a, a winning team. Put them in cotton wool and bring them out, and let's beat whoever is there in the in the way. Um, I personally would love us, as I said, love us to beat Australia in the final. I just that would be a sweet feeling, uh, and I think I honestly do think they will beat Pakistan tonight. That's my tip of the day. Anyway, uh, here's the thing: uh, we're going to try and get hold of Luke Ronke, uh, the batting coach for the Black Caps. Um, he's stayed up a wee bit late uh, on our behalf, so we'll hopefully cross over to him very shortly. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.21 here on SENZ and uh, it's all godly hours over there uh, in the UAE, but thank God uh, Luke Ronke has uh, made himself available to us to talk about uh, some fantastic performance and it really was this morning. And uh, as the batting coach, I would imagine Luke Ronke, uh, you looked on pretty proudly with uh, the end result. Congratulations. Uh-huh. How are you, Smithy? Uh, yeah, it was amazing. Daryl Mitchell did a, did a fantastic job. He had a bat through the innings the way he did and, and get us over the line. Obviously, Jimmy Neeson coming out and, and changing the game in a, in a very short space of time was, was fantastic. And yeah, to get the result was popped everything off. Well, you work with these guys not just in the nets, but you work with their heads as well because it's part of your brief is to talk about getting through situations. What kind of a bloke is uh, Daryl Mitchell to work with? Uh, Daryl's been amazing. I mean, he's... Every, I guess, opportunity he's been given, he's actually just grabbed it with both hands. He, he wants to play for, for New Zealand. He wants to sort of do well for New Zealand. And, and any opportunity he's been given at the moment, he's, he's taken. I mean, 
coming over, thought of him opening the batting. It wasn't there. Uh, and an opportunity, um, I guess, arose with with players sort of coming, not quite being here on time and things like that with, with IPL and stuff. So um, working with Dale has been amazing. He just wants to learn. He wants to help the team win games of cricket. And that's, that's all you can ask of someone, really. Can you work with Jimmy Neesham or do you just uh, throw open the gate and say, express yourself, Jimmy, all the best? Because he seems to be his own man. <laughs> you, you're pretty much right. I mean, there are times you've got to um, give Jimmy some love and, and make him feel um, feel good about himself and, and, and wanted and things like that. But then when you see him go out and do what he did tonight, I mean, um, that's why he gets picked in, in this team. That's why other teams around the world want, want him playing for them. He can, he can change the game in the space of, what he face, like 11 balls, something like that. So, I mean, I mean what he did yeah. in those couple of overs there, just, it really just turned the momentum of that game. So it, was, it was awesome. You lose, uh, you lose uh, Guptill, you lose Williamson. They make nine between them. Uh, we're on the ropes early on in the piece. Uh, what, what are you honestly thinking at that point? Um, I guess for for a long, long time now, this team has has done well at scrapping in situations where um, I guess people don't expect us to get results. Uh, I think that's what something we pride ourselves on is is working hard as a, as a group. We know that not one individual is going to win us all the games of cricket. Um, so you go and I mean it was it was tough, and we had a period there of of not sort of going as well as we'd like to. But then it also showed that. In, in P23 especially, a couple of overs um, can really change the momentum of the game. And and I guess it was it was late on in the piece, but um, to have someone back through the innings like Daryl did, I guess guys around that sort of a player can can go out and express themselves and can change the game. And it's it's that belief in each other that sort of carries us through some some tougher times. Well, there's an innings in there that no one's talked about, but I want to because without it, uh, we wouldn't have got that close. We wouldn't have won it, uh, in my opinion. You needed someone to fix it, uh, and that's uh, the, the role that uh, Devin Conway played this morning. Uh, he just uh, continues to demonstrate a pretty cool head. Yeah, he does. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I mean, if you were to... Well, the conversations we have, he's not he's not real happy with the way he's batting at the moment. He feels like he's he's trying to find things as he's going, but then that's the amazing thing of he has contributions like he did today, and he still doesn't feel feel great about how it's going. So, so when you look at that, if, if we can tick every box and getting everyone right the way we'd like to to have them, then that's also a plus for us going forward. But Dev's been amazing, like the way he's played international cricket in the last. Oh, however long it's been, nine months or whatever it is, it's been it's pretty pretty amazing to watch, really. Luke, is, is chasing, um, I mean, when we get to the final, we don't know who we're going to play. I mean, if I'm the opposition captain, I don't want New Zealand chasing. I want New Zealand setting up and trying something different. But is that our preferred uh, modus operandi, you, might, you think? Or are we, are we flexible enough to set up? Um, we are flexible enough. I mean, I've got belief in, in, in both ways we do it. But over over here at the moment, June can be a factor. And that was also one of the reasons tonight to, to try and chase down, as well as the fact that England like chasing as well. Um, but then in saying that, it's still something when 
when you're given a task, I guess it, it's if we have to to set a, a score in the final, um, the guys will understand that we've got to play it a little bit differently and, and look at situations or times of the game where we might have to up the ante. Um, but like any team, when you when you are chasing, I guess you can you have your target, you set your little goals, little steps along the way to, to get to that result. So that always helps any team, I don't think. So I heard you on the television earlier this morning say you really didn't care who, who we played against. And I, I suppose it's, it's a nice uh, positive way to look about it. But if we break it down, uh, we've played Pakistan. Um, we lost to them. So we know what they're like. We know their strengths and their weaknesses. Uh, but then again, we've got, uh, we've got the Aussies who we've sort of stumbled against on the big occasion in the past. And I, I know I personally would like to see us beat Australia. And I personally believe, believe Australia will beat Pakistan. But... Once you start to do your analysis behind the scenes, are we better prepared for Pakistan now that we've lost to them or just Australia fresh up? Um, I guess from a personal point of view, it'd be better to play Pakistan so I don't have to do scouting on the Aussies. Um, <laughs> I mean, the guys know from from both aspects. We definitely know what Pakistan will bring. They've played the same team the entire time and they've from a tactical point of view, they've done it the same way the entire time. Um, playing against the Aussies, we know their players. We've, we've played against them, and, and you sort of have an understanding of what they're going to try and do to us. Uh, but then there are two completely different teams, and the way they both play is, is different. Um, and either way, it's still, it is understanding that and, and realising that we have our plans to, to try and um, go against what they're going to try and do to us. But then also, it is something we say lots and lots and lots, it is about us making sure we're doing it the way we need to do it to get a result. Sometimes it's not flashing, sometimes it is. So it's still about us going out and making sure we're doing our bits and pieces as well as we possibly can. And then on the back of that, hopefully you get the result you want. Just finally, mate, uh, I know um, pretty hard to celebrate in some, some countries over there uh, from personal experience. It's uh, pretty tough, but... Uh, I noticed there was a lot of joy, obviously there would be um, in the dugout. Now, um, what about in the days coming up? How are you, how are you just going to uh, you know, put a lid on it and, and go about your business again? Are, are the group used to that? Yeah, they are. They, they sort of understand what is, what is coming up and, and tomorrow will be a day off. You guys will get sort of their recovery things in and their nap size times and and things like that to make sure that their bodies are good to go. We'll have some, some training opportunities on Friday and Saturday, and then the guys will sort of pick and choose when they, when or if they want to train and things like that, and then it'll be that sort of that mental switch on for, for Sunday, knowing that we've done all we possibly can and trusting each other and trusting um, what we can give in a game of cricket and then going out on the Sunday and... and trying to perform it as well as we possibly can. Well, Luke, uh, thanks very much for your time, mate, and thanks so much for staying up a, a little bit late for us. We really appreciate the feeling from within the camp and uh, the way you guys are, are putting it together is, is pretty damn special. And uh, you should be proud of your batters today, boy. They did well for you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, really. Thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, cheers. Luke Ronke there, the batting coach for the Black Caps, and he's got some serious artillery to work with at the moment, hasn't he? Uh, we will uh, en enjoy your text, actually, double eight double three. What is your impression? Uh, what is the standout thing for you about this side?
um, apart from the individual performance. Overall, we've been watching it for a while now. I'm not surprised that they're, they're winning these things, but are you? Uh, are you surprised? What, what are the contributing factors for you? 9.30 here on SENZ. here on SENZ. Really excited about this interview because uh, the All Blacks are playing uh, Ireland, of course, at the weekend. It took 111 years for Ireland to beat the All Blacks, you know. But since 2016, they've managed to do it twice and they threatened to do it again uh, on Sunday morning in Dublin. Uh, And that's where uh, our next guest joins us, uh, Rory O'Connor, who is the Chief Rugby Writer for The Independent. Uh, Rory, when the All Blacks uh, come to town, I think uh, everyone just uh, sits a little bit further for, forward in their chair over there, don't they? Because uh, this is going to be monumental this weekend. Yeah, I think in in days gone by, people cowered a little bit because it usually meant that Ireland would be on the end of a, a bit of a hammering that they often you know, would put it up to the All Blacks a little bit and then kind of fall away. But in the last couple of years, these games have been really you know, some of the best international matches that we've seen in Dublin. Um, Two teams who are quite evenly matched, apart from at the most important time at the World Cup when New Zealand blew Ireland away. But yeah, there's huge excitement here. um, The soccer team are playing Portugal tomorrow night. So Ronaldo's in town, Mm -hmm. the All Blacks are in town. They're both staying in, sorry, they're both playing in packed out Aviva stadiums. And we haven't had a packed out Aviva stadium in quite a long time. So yeah, it's huge hype here, huge excitement. And everyone's looking forward to Saturday. And I suppose uh, those uh, in the know will remember that victory back in 2018, which will give uh, the Irish people a serious amount of belief. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this, this fixture has kind of turned a little bit in the last 10 years, largely driven by Joe Schmidt, the, you know, the New Zealander who drove Ireland to such great heights between 2013 and 2018. You know, they ran them really close, that Ryan Cruddy try that I'm sure people will remember that, that, that um, you know, won it at the end back in 2013 and in Chicago 2016 Ireland produced one of their greatest ever performances to, to beat the All Blacks and, and the element of surprise was removed but they were able to back it up even though the All Blacks came back two weeks later and beat Ireland in Dublin in 2016 two years on that was one of the great days for Irish rugby in, in 2018 but you know we got a reminder of how good New Zealand are um, in that quarter final in Tokyo so I don't think anyone's going to be getting carried away I think the bookies here have New Zealand a 10 point favourites and I think there's a big, you know, New Zealand have played a lot of rugby this year, Ireland are very early in their season. So there's a couple of interesting dynamics at play. Ireland, this is the first time Ireland have played a Southern Hemisphere team since that World Cup quarterfinal because of COVID. So it's just all a little bit unusual. And, you know, but also the novelty factor is really, really, really good this weekend. Right. Can you beat the All Blacks up, up front, Rory? Can you, can you match them in those key areas? I think so. I don't know about beat up, but I definitely think match. I think Ireland currently have a pack that is the rival of anyone out there. They've they've moved Andrew Porter, who was our reserve tight head, over to the loose outside, and he's an incredible athlete. And I think now we have eight ball-playing forwards. Often when Ireland came up against Southern Hemisphere opposition, and, and in particular New Zealand, they would give away a lot in terms of skill and power. Now they have forwards who are able to do both. The forecast is pretty good on Saturday. And I think they'll back their line out, they'll back their scrum, and they'll back their skills in contact. So, you know, they threw something like 20 offloads against Japan last weekend. And while I know Japan are not a patch on the All Blacks, 
it was still very unusual for an Ireland team to pass out of contact that much, and that will cause the All Blacks, you know, problems in defence if they're able to do it again. If they can match them, if they can stand up to the All Blacks in that department, I think they've got a, got a real chance. Rory, you, you wrote in the Independent that Jack Conan is playing like Karen Reed in his prime now. Kieran Reed in his prime was the World Rugby Player of the Year, so you've got big reps on this fellow to make an impression, clearly. Yeah, he's a late developer, Jack Conan. People who may maybe tuned into the um, the Lions tour during the summer, which wasn't a great watch, they probably fell asleep, but uh, he was picked at number eight by Warren Gatlin for all three tests, which for a guy who'd missed most of the previous year with with injury, um, you know, he... he he, uh, you know, he, he he's had to kind of wait his turn, and, and it's uh, you know he, it's gonna it maybe I've maybe I've overhyped him a little bit there. Kieran Reid was obviously a sensational player and did it over a long period of time. I mean, he certainly doesn't have the longevity or the kind of consistency over a long period of time, but he is a, a seriously talented number eight who's capable of mixing it up close. But he's also really good link player in the wide wide channels in the way that Kieran Reid was, and his inclusion in the last couple of games has really. Um, transform the way Ireland can attack. They're able. Their their forwards are really comfortable on the ball in the wide channels, and when they get Jack Conan into that space, he, he can either make mm. the break himself or he can he can pass the ball on in that way that Kieran Reid did. He's a really really good player, but he's not alone. Caelan Doris, the number six, is a player New Zealand wouldn't have seen before. Jack Conan, I don't think, has ever played against the All Blacks either. So these players, while we think they're very very good, they've never faced this level of opposition. So that's going to be a big test for them this Saturday. Well, someone that has, of course, is Johnny Sexton, who. Uh, played his 100th last week against Japan, uh, looked to be in pretty good nick as well. Uh, where do you rate him in terms of his career at this point? Uh, bearing in mind that back in 2016-17, he was pretty much at his peak. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it was 2018, he won the, the, the World Player of the Year. and I think we've been expecting Johnny Sexton to, to drop off at, so, at some stage during this World Cup cycle. He seems determined to go on until 2023, at which point he'll be 38 which would seem to be a remarkable, you know, it would be a remarkable feat if he pulled it off. Um, you know, we're, I think we're all very envious of your out-half battle between Bowden Barrett and Richie Mwanga, two players in their absolute primes who are going head-to-head. We don't have that in Ireland. The, the understudies to Johnny Sexton are well off the pace. He's by far and away the best out-half in Ireland at the moment. He's in form. He's playing very, very well. And while I think we're all a bit worried that he might not make it to 2023, we have very few concerns about him in 2021 right now. He played really well in his 100 cap, made a couple of little mistakes that maybe I think you showed a bit of humanity. He was a bit nervous against Japan, but he's still the warrior that he always was. He's still very physical. The fear would be that if he goes off, Joey Carberry, the, the kid who was born in Dargaville in New Zealand, who, who made his debut in the 2016 win in Chicago, he hasn't played an awful lot of rugby recently. He has a couple, he's had a couple of serious injuries that have stymied his progression over the last couple of years. And if he is pitched in against the All Blacks, we'd be a little bit worried because Sexton is, is so far ahead of the, the chasing pack. But right now, he's playing very, very well. But this will be a real test of where he is as well. Rory, you mentioned before and you credited Joe Smith with uh, a lot of the reason why Ireland have, have found this confidence level, particularly uh, against New Zealand. But uh, current coach Andy Farrell also has tasted success against the All Blacks uh, uh, with England, uh, and, uh, with the Ireland in a smaller capacity, and of course with the Lions. So... Uh, he's a believer, I'm sure, and and that must help. No, absolutely, yeah, and I think his, you know, he's an English, you know, former England international who coached England to that win in 2012 in in Twickenham, and he brings with him huge belief. I mean, he was a legendary rugby league player, and I don't think he ever took a backward step during his playing career. So he doesn't believe in taking a backward step, and 
I think he, you know he, he he respects New Zealand hugely, but you know he he's like Ireland play New Zealand four times in their next eleven games is a three test tour. Hopefully, if everything goes okay with the pandemic, a three test tour to New Zealand next summer. And he's looking at these four games as a massive barometer of where his team is at right now. You know, he, he had a slow start. He's, a, you know, he's like Ian Foster. He's taken over from the boss. He's, he's come in after the world, a disappointing World Cup exit. And he's had to win people over a little bit. But right now, the way they played last weekend, they beat England in March and played really well. He, he's starting to win people over. And I think a big result on Saturday would do that. And you're right, he doesn't, he, he, he won't fear the All Blacks. He'll respect them hugely. He'll talk. I mean, he said repeatedly, they may not be world champions, but he says they're the best team in the world. And he's making sure that the, the favourite starter is firmly on the New Zealand shoulders, but they won't mind that. But he will believe that Ireland can do it, and um, that's going to give the, the team something. But whether it'll be enough, I don't know. It, it is interesting, actually. The other interesting factor from our point of view way down under here is, uh, of course, the, the Kiwi connection and, and the Irish group playing-wise with James Lowe as well as Bundy Aki, Jamison, Gibson Park. What kind of factor do you think they will be in this weekend? Well, they're all big players. I mean, Bundyaki is, is, is the most experienced. He's the most established. He's won a Grand Slam with Ireland. He's played in a World Cup. He's, he's one of the, the, you know, he's been a really consistent, durable member of that Ireland team. He's played really, really well. He's an absolute hero on the west coast of Ireland in Connacht where he plays his rugby. You know, a legend of that club, probably the greatest ever player. So he, you know, he's pretty ensconced. He's very, part, very much part of the furniture. And what he gives Ireland is a, just a granite midfield presence. He's good with, good with ball in hand as well. You know the Chiefs fans will know what he's capable of, but he's he's just been really, really part of the furniture. Lowe and Gibson Park they qualified on residency more recently. Lowe was, you know, he he he's been brilliant for Leinster when he stepped up to Test level. He struggled a little bit defensively in particular. I think the All Blacks will go after him. His positioning, you know, his decision making sometimes lets him down. But what he gives Ireland with ball in hand is incredible. He he, he takes the right option. He wins collisions, and his offloading game is really, really good. And Andy Farrell said this week, he's not a tidy attacking player, but they don't want tidy all the time. They want someone who can cause problems. Gibson Park, he's not even first choice at Leinster. He, they bring him a bit like the Hurricanes did in Super Rugby. They bring him off the bench to change games. What Andy Farrell likes with him is the tempo that he brings. He's a much more New Zealand-style scrum half than Conor Murray, who's owned the jersey for the last decade, the box-kicking king. Gibson Park, you know, behind that really quick dynamic pack is just feeding Johnny Sexton quick ball and Sexton has loads of options to work with because of Gibson Park's vision and he's also got a really good kicking game as well so I think he surprised people the way he's kind of become the first choice number nine in, in recent times but he's on they're on merit and I think the fact that they understand the New Zealand psyche they've played with a lot of the players you know so, you know, they grew up wanting to play for the All Blacks and it's going to mean so much to them to face the Haka on Saturday that's going to be a factor for them I'm sure it'll make them nervous but they'll know that you know, more than ever, people back home will be watching them, you know, and, and that's got to, you know, play into their mindset on, on Saturday. So it's a really interesting dynamic. I do think the all backs will target low defensively and may get some joy. You know, they've got such great attacking threats in that back three and a brilliant kicking, kicking game through you know, an array of players uh, led by Barrett. Just, just finally, uh, you mentioned Ireland v Portugal at football, All Blacks v Ireland at rugby. Uh, just give us a feeling in, in, in Dublin. What's bigger? What's bigger, Rory? I think Ronaldo's Ronaldo's pretty big, and he's here. He's here first. But the, uh, the the Ireland football team, although they're they're on a little bit of a resurgence, have missed out on the World Cup, so there's nothing really at stake for them. But it's probably the last time Ronaldo will ever play here. So that is pretty pretty big. But what you know, what's big? It's it's been 
so long since we had a full crowd here. When when you guys were able to open up and 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 enjoy life, we had we've had one of the longest lockdowns in the world. So to have the biggest sporting brand in, in the world, or, or one of them in the All Blacks, and then another biggest sporting brand in the world in in Ronaldo, come over the course of three days in Dublin, and to have full houses here, um, for those, I think for all that we want results and we want to see. You know, I'm not getting maudlin or sentimental about it. We want to see results. We want to see Ireland win. We want to see great contests. But to, to see a full Aviva Stadium on Saturday facing the Hakka and, and everything that goes with the All Blacks, you know, we, we don't get to see them very often in Dublin. It's just going to be really, really special. So it's, you know, even four, four or five months ago, we didn't know if we were going to have half a crowd here, if we were going to have, you know, a third of a crowd here. To have a full house, it sold out within minutes of going on sale. That's really, really exciting. And um, I guess if Ireland beat the All Blacks, that will definitely be bigger. But I think I don't give us much chance of beating uh, beating Portugal. I think we've got a slightly better chance against the All Blacks, but not much. <laughs> okay, Rory, uh, thank you very much for your time uh, this evening over there. I know it's getting on a bit, uh, but so thanks for staying up late. Enjoy the occasion. Enjoy the occasion. Look forward to to reading your thoughts about it in the in the uh, Independent as well. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a great day. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Rory O'Connor there, folks, Chief Rugby Writer for the Indy Independent Newspaper. So, yeah, big occasion, uh, no doubt about it. The texts are coming in, which is great, uh, on the cricket, double eight, double three. Please keep them coming in. Um, and uh, when we come back, uh, it'll just about be time for a multi as well before 10 o'clock. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Number of texts coming in on the cricketing issue, and why not? Hope it, uh, it's Pakistan, says uh, one particular texter. I couldn't bear Australia beating us. Why well, I think we will win Australia out of the fi- Australia out of the final would make my day. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I take your point there. I wouldn't want to lose to Australia, but I, I, you've got to play them to beat them, and that's where I'd get my most satisfaction. I'd, and I do think, uh, for some weird reason, I think they'll just be good enough for Pakistan tonight. I, I simply do. Pakistan have been fantastic. But uh, everyone has a slip-up, and I think if you have a slip-up, Australia can expose it as much as anyone. Uh, Chris says, it's amazing how Mitchell never lets us down. People always question his selection, be it at T20 or Test Match, but he always performs when given the chance, and I hope he plays one-day nationals as well, now probably in the middle order. The thing about uh, Daryl Mitchell, he's got a really cool head because he's, he's come into the game and, and he's studied it and sat back, and he, he didn't come in at the age of 18 or 19 as a wonder boy or whatever, and we've had a number of players over the years that fit into that bracket uh, and pressure situations. I think of uh, back in my day, Andrew Jones uh, started his career very late but fashioned a fantastic career. Uh, and uh, later on in the piece, uh, we've seen people like Grant Elliott do that kind of thing. Um, you know, we've just always seemed to have a, a player who comes in late, handles the situation. Roger Tews, uh, another one uh, that comes to mind. So we, we have been pretty well stacked with those. Plenty more texts. Uh, there's another one. Uh, hi, Smithy. Wonderful viewing this morning. Why do you think Santner only got one over? Well, Jamie, the reason why is because when he, I, I believe anyway, when he was uh, about to bowl Santner again or look to bowl Santner again, they had two left-handers going at the crease. Uh, one was uh, Moan Ali and the other one was Darwood Milan. And both of them would have enjoyed hitting a, a bowler who's turning the ball a little bit uh, back into their, their swing, uh, their swing to the onside. So uh, that, for me was, I think, the reason why. Uh, and they're probably very, very good players of spin as well. So there'll be a method in Kane Williamson's madness, but don't think that Santner's only there to bowl one over. 
he could well bowl four in the next one. That's the versatility of the side, the balance that we've got on the side at the moment. So a lot of guys can do a lot of jobs. It's cool, really is. 9.53 here on SCNZ. Voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, yesterday we went the Milwaukee Bucks to beat the Philadelphia 76ers. They duly obliged at $1.34. And the Clippers beat Portland. At a buck sixty-eight, that was uh, comfortable too. Uh, and then our swinger, our uh, money one was uh, a two-dollar thirty shot. The Black Caps to beat England, and we all know what happened there. So yep, we get yes, one up at five dollars, five dollars seventeen. So uh, here's a, a, a basketball cricket one again today. The Chicago Bulls to beat the Dallas Mavericks at a dollar fifty-nine. Uh, the West Indies women's team are playing Pakistan tonight. Believe it or not, they are, and uh, that'll be at a dollar fifty-one. I think the West Indies will beat them. Done a bit of research there. And uh, I also believe that Australia will beat Pakistan in the T20 World Cup semi-final, the, num- uh, the second one. So uh, $4.90 for that one. So uh, get on if you've got uh, the faith. If you think I can get two in a row, you're probably dreaming like I am. But anyway, there you go. Um, so that's Chicago Bulls, West Indies women, Australia at $4.90. Uh, rugby after 10 o'clock, we're going to be talking to Otago coach Tom Donnelly. Big final, semi final, playoff match for them tomorrow night. He's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's the eve of the opening NPC semi-final between uh, championship contenders Otago and Manawatu. That uh, game will be played tomorrow night uh, in Palmerston North. And joining us uh, from uh, the city, what would you call it, the city of university, Massey University, I suppose you could call it, Palmerston North, uh, as Otago coach uh, Tom Donnelly. Good morning to you, Tom. Morning, Smitty. How you know, mate? Oh, look, I'm pretty happy to watch the cricket. I did, mate. We've been up really early this morning, so we're lucky enough to get the back half of the uh, Black Caps innings. Yeah, fantastic result, mate. Yeah, it was good. Um, and, um, man, I, I was, I'm pretty excited about the whole deal. I'm pretty confident uh, about us winning this, this damn thing all of a sudden. So uh, what about the confidence levels for Otago now that uh, you've, you've found your way into the playoffs? You, you've, uh, you've started to uh, address a few matters that you had, and, and you're going pretty much in the right direction now, Tom. Yeah, mate, we, we found it pretty tough coming out of lockdown. We had sort of a two-week break there. We, we were able to train and had no games, and we sort of struggled the first games back. And then, yeah, just starting to find a little bit of form now, but we've been working pretty hard, and it should be a big ask on uh, tomorrow night, particularly playing up here. Well, you, uh, Neil Barnes has been very um, active, I suppose, outspoken on the fact of uh, no promotion for a uh, side winning the championship. Um, we haven't heard from the other coaches, but... Um, and if you, you were to uh, to win it, you, you, I don't think the other coaches have had a chance. If you were to win it, um, how disappointing would it be not to perhaps get that carrot at the end of it? Oh, yeah, look, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's, it is what it is, mate. It's COVID, and, and there's a lot of tools doing a lot tougher. Like Aucklanders have been in lockdown, counties, Aucklanders, I haven't been playing rugby at all. So, yeah, that's disappointing, mate. We, we're just still very lucky to be able to play at this stage, and 
Look, I think also it's a, it's a great opportunity for New Zealand rugby to show some real leadership around or possibly just the time to change the two the two divisions and go to a conference system. So when you have teams like Tanya who haven't lost a game or Hawks Bay last year, they've got the opportunity to, to win the whole thing. Um, no, I just think mm. it's a great opportunity to have a look at something like that. OK, well, let's uh, look at this match in terms of uh, specific and... and the turnaround from your team's point of view, what, is, what has been the difference then um, as you've, you know, you've won three of the last four? What, is, what has been the difference uh, as you've worked through things? Uh, we've just sort of got a bit more comfortable with how we want to play the game. Um, we've got some sort of good experience players in and quite a few young guys, so just that understanding of, of how we want to play and what our game looks like when we get things right, um, how dangerous we can be. So we've been working really hard and in the first couple of games we probably, probably didn't quite get it right. Okay, let's uh, look at the last time you played them. Uh, it was in Palmerston North, Manawatu. Uh, you lost 27-14. Uh, what went wrong that day? What have you been working on? Yeah, I think well, it was our first game back from, from sort of lockdown and uh, we just didn't get our physicality right. They've got a couple of really good Lucy's who are really dangerous in the breakdown and, and we just weren't good enough with our ball, particularly when we went wide. They were able to really slow our ball down and turn it over a lot of the time, so... If we get that right tomorrow, we'll be able to play our game, and, and then yeah, we'll be in with a shot. What what are the what are, apart from that? What are their dangers, um, Manawatu? I mean, they have the advantage right. of playing at home, which is also always an asset. Yeah, look with Brick Kim and Ronan, they're actually playing really good football. They they will tack their spaces. They don't have a a real set pattern. If there's space out wide, they'll shift the ball there, and they've got some great ball carriers. Um, and their back lines have some dangers in it as well. So they're just, they're just playing really good footy. Their set pieces operating pretty well, which is allowing them to play footy. And they're playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, Palmerston North, renowned for its wind. I mean, you don't have to look at the windmills on top of the hills as you look out the window there, Tom. Um, have you factored that in? Mate, we've been looking at the weather all week, and mate, it's a cracker day here at the moment. Um, but there's many better wind and rain coming tomorrow. So... We've obviously talked about it. Um, we've been here and played a lot of times, and obviously your game plan does change. You've got to play into the wind a wee bit. Um, but we'll sort of wake up tomorrow and see what the day brings and, and make some decisions from there. Josh Dixon uh, returns at lock, which is uh, fantastic for you in place of Will Tucker. Uh, that's the only change to your starting lineup. So uh, you've got a, a certain settled nature about the team as well, which is always, I think, handy. Yeah, mate, it's real similar to probably what you were talking about earlier around why we're sort of saying to find our feet. We've just probably had the same sort of settled lineup for the last few weeks now. Um, Dicko actually got married on Tuesday, that's why he had the weekend off last week. So, uh, no, he's had a bloody big week and uh, we're forward to getting him back with the team and, and ripping him. What's going on with rugby, Tom? I mean, guys are popping home <laughs> because, you know, they're having a baby. Guys are getting married during the season, man. What's going on? Oh, mate, it's a pretty tough one for Dicko. He'd organised his wedding for last year. And then, obviously, his partners from Australia, COVID shut the whole place down, so not a lot of them to get here. They rescheduled for November this year, thinking that, mate, footy would be finished by now and, and the borders were open with Australia. Uh, and look, the same thing's happened again. He's just looking... He can't put it off any longer. His, his partner's... Um, pretty keen, they've been planning for about three years for the wedding, so mate, it's just part of life really, and COVID life, you just have to these things pop up and just get on with it really 
<laughs> very, very diplomatic. Um, now, here's uh, no turbos don't have Aaron Smith. That could have been a factor. So I, I suppose um, that's a bit of a relief. Mate, yeah, look, the other two halfbacks that have been playing, they're playing really, really well as well. So, um, yep, he would have made a difference. But, mate, like I said, the Brett Cameron there steering the ship. They're playing some really good footy. So who's um, who are you looking to? Who, who, who's who's going to be uh, driving you around tomorrow? And and uh, you know, in terms of, of your, your tactics and that, and and who, who are your key players that we should perhaps look to now that we've we've entered the, the very serious part of the competition? Who have you who have you been tapping on the shoulder? Oh, look, we, we expect um, all of our super players to be playing their best rugby. It was a big factor we looked at last year where probably some of our best players didn't play their, great, their best footy at this time of year. So we've sort of designed a whole year around getting to and making sure we're in a really good space as a squad so it gives our, our best players a chance to play their best rugby. And look, our best players are our super boys, our leaders, Josh Warney, uh, Jimmy Lynchies, Josh Dixon, Liam Colton and stuff. those all guys play well, then the back of the team will, will play well on the back of that. Just uh, away from Palmerston North, it's a slightly bigger weekend in Dublin this weekend with uh, the All Blacks uh, playing a- against Ireland. Last weekend we, we chucked in a couple of relatively new locks in, uh, against Italy. Um, so w- what did you make of that performance uh, uh, from that point of view, the Type 5 performance against Italy last week? Oh, look, I actually haven't seen a lot of that going through on a smithy, but look, you've got to give guys a chance at some stage, and it, it's a big ask. These boys that have been playing not a lot of footy to go out and play in a test match in front of a lot of people. And at the end of the day, they still got the job done. So, look, if I was Smithy and, and Plums, I'd still be reasonably happy, I'd say. OK, we'll leave it at that, mate. Hey, all the best with your preparation. I know you've probably got a, a relatively busy sort of uh, work day today, and uh, good luck with that uh, job of knocking over the green and whites tomorrow night, mate. All the best. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Yeah, Tom Donnelly there, folks, uh, head coach of Otago. Yep, playing Manawatu tomorrow night. That'll be uh, live on Sky Sport, of course. And uh, then, of course, they win that. They might have a chance, uh, perhaps, uh, against Taranaki. Maybe not. Uh, big weekend of, uh, of rugby, NPC action. Uh, of course, uh, Hawks Bay uh, hosting uh, Tasman. It's a big, big clash. Uh, and, of course, uh, Canterbury, are, Canterbury are travelling away uh, to Rotorua to play against uh, Waikato. Yes, you heard that right, in Rotorua. So they can't play at home because they're under lockdown in Hamilton, and as uh, Tom Donnelly has just quite rightfully pointed out, everyone making sacrifices in a weird kind of season, but we're going to have some playoffs, and, and that's pretty exciting. Got plenty of texts uh, about the, the cricket, so uh, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we shall read some of those. Sorry, are we going to read them now? Oh, okay, I've just been told in my ear, we do them now. It's a bit of a topsy-turvy morning, so uh, I'll just get them up here. Let me see what I've got here. Jared says, what a win, yeah. Am I surprised? Uh, no, we have belief these days, and it sure shows. I've always felt we are very good fielding team, one of the best. Our batting has usually let us down, but now our top order has solidified, and Conway has contributed massively. And now Daryl Mitchell. Great to see his dad, John, in the crowd, in tears after watching his son close out a win. Bring on the final. And uh, really, Jared, I, I uh, endorse everything you've, you've said there, particularly about the belief particularly about the fact that we are a very good fielding team. Now, look, we'll probably save uh, probably save a run or two every player in the field over the course of 20 overs. If we do that by the speed to the ball, aggressive throwing, 
uh, the fact that people don't want to take you on because you are that good in the outfield, uh, then you're looking at perhaps saving around about 15 to 20 runs. That's a, a couple of overs of batting. And that, whilst it doesn't sound much or seem like much at the time, when you add it collectively, that is a lot of runs, a lot of runs. And when New Zealand uh, win by an over or two, uh, a lot of people say it's because of the batting. Well, it is to a large degree, but the reason why is also because of the fielding. They are a very good fielding unit, and uh, that is something that most sides around the world uh, are jealous of. Now that Mitchell is firing, says Pete, would it be better balanced to be swapping Guptill and Conway? Conway can revolve, strike, and build. Yes, he can revolve, uh, revolve the strike or rotate and build. Uh, and more suited to his game, and Guptill could come in and fire as a strike weapon. Pretty hard to change a winning team, though. I like Martin Guptill at the top. He's been there forever. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the thing about this is they're not going to come off every time. Uh, but when Guppy comes off and Mitchell comes off at the same time, uh, we're in great shape. We really are in great shape. And I think that we've stumbled onto something. Uh, did we not stumble onto make Mark Greatbatch back in 1992 because John Wright got injured? Um, we, we, you just absolutely, every now and then, you find something out of nothing. Um, so I, I really think, we, we, Pete, we, we stick with with Guptill and uh, Mitchell at the top of the order. They seem to be working well together, actually, when they get in. Uh, the term, uh, James says, the term I use for the Black Caps is sneaky good. Love that term. There is little fanfare. We never seem to be the favourites, but we always seem to step up. Can't argue with the World Test Champs, the one-day international finalists in 2015 and 2019, and now the finalists in the T20 World Cup as well. Uh, beating Oz in the final be the best. Puck, uh, be the best, says Chris, very cleverly. Pakistan hate us enough already. It's probably true. Uh, so, uh, look, lots and lots of them uh, are coming in. What about Michael saying, great win, like to uh, come to the last over. Not again. This time we, we got this great win, like uh, we did, uh, went to the last over, uh, and uh, we didn't even have to bother this time around. So, Michael from Wellington, uh, I recognise your texting, Michael. Congratulations on uh, on um, you uh, getting into us, I uh, really enjoy your con uh, your uh, your contact. Has Mitchell played his way onto the big stage in an IPL contract? Says Carl. Wouldn't mind betting that he has. Carl wouldn't mind betting that he, uh, in a weird sort of a way, banked quite a big fat check this morning. Um, to be honest, because uh, he he haven't even used his bowling. He can bowl. He's he's, he's the kind of guy that in a T20 combination, uh, he kind of fits uh, a lot of areas that that you want in your squad. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would be thinking, Carl, he might be quite happy about uh, auction time next time around in the IPL. We might uh, speak to a guy like Mike Hessen or even our very own Brendan McCullum as he got the qualities that you need to have um, to be a really good IPL cricketer. On what we've seen of late in those very similar conditions, you couldn't say no, could you? Uh, Ken says, Smithy, sensational game. We're going to go the whole way. Still on a buzz. Good on you, Ken. Enjoy every moment of it because those of us that have uh, been around the uh, cricketing circles have experienced a fair amount of pain in the last 50 to 60 years. The last five or six have been pretty good, haven't they? Uh, how about uh, in T20 cricket to have one of your opening batsmen at the end? How good is that, says Nev? Absolutely spot on, Nev. Uh, you get someone in. Once you're in, they say in the cricket, once you're in, stay in. Complete the job. So thank you very much uh, for your text this morning. Um, we, I think... We can take a break now, can we, John? We can take a break? Yeah, we can take a break now. Seed. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. 
very pleased to say that we've got Jordan Oppett on the panel this morning and uh, Jim Kays. Um, and I think we'll start with you, Jordan. I know you've been very busy at Cut Week. I've seen you walking around and someone carrying your little tripod with your camera while you've been carrying the microphone around. So uh, I saw it just hasn't quite been the same, has it, to be fair, but you've still tried to, to get some kind of feeling there. Oh, honestly, it's just so sad. And good morning, by the way, and good morning, Jim, as well. Um, I think it's sad because I think we've just got to admit the gloss has been rubbed off. You know, I haven't missed a cup week in the eight years that I've been down in Christchurch. And for the first time, I can remember it was raining, it was gloomy, it was dull. Instead of SPF 50, I was in a coat. And I think that kind of just reflects the mood down here at the moment. You know, you were there as well, and a raceway that would usually be, usually be packed to the brim was empty. You know, you usually can't even hear the commentator over that feature race, and this year his voice echoed. And, you know, I interviewed Blair Orange as soon as he finished that cup race and won it, and I said, you know, what was it like coming down that home stretch without the fans? And he just said, I'm just gutted. And I really felt for him because... As much as this is about the fans and getting doled up and perhaps having a few too many, it's also their big day as well for the industry, you know. they Well, big week, you know. They work so hard for this. And, you know, tomorrow's Canterbury anniversary, as we've talked about before. Um, show day's usually on. That's been canned as well. So, look, I just really hope things are back to normal next year because it has been quite odd. And I'd love to see you guys all down here. Well, we'd like to come down on mass. As you say, I was there for a couple of days, uh, Jordan, and... Before we get on to the cricket, etc., uh, um, with Jimmy Jordan, I just want, I, I just from a journalistic point of view, I, I just wondered why this couldn't have been a test case. You know, Christchurch has not been anywhere near the virus or vice versa for coming up a year now, to be honest. Uh, could this not have been a test case uh, to, to, for the government to say, let's, let's have a go and see what happens? Oh, honestly, I wish it was, and I don't see why it wasn't. I mean, it's been going for 117 years every year on the same dates. I mean, there was plenty of notice. There was, I know for a fact that, you know, that the industry was reaching out to the government asking um, for what options would come into play, and I mean, it just seems so wrong that, you know, down here we've gone nearly over a year without cases uh, and still we couldn't make something work. And, I mean, as I said to you before, a big demographic down here that go to the races is the target the government really wants to get down here anyway with the vaccinations. I tell you now, they all would have gone and got a jab and turned up to the races had they known they could be there if they got it. And I just think it's, it's a real wasted opportunity to see how this could have worked. I mean, we've got summer coming up, festivals. This could have been the guinea pig event for it. I totally agree. Absolutely, I think they've missed a, a big, missed a big boat there, a big chance. Uh, Jimmy, anyway, let's uh, let's move on. I, I I don't know if you know this, Jimmy, but we won the cricket this morning. Had, had you realised that? <laughs> oh, mate, it was fantastic, wasn't it? I was working on the AM show this morning when uh, when that result finished. Uh, so it was it was awesome to be able to tell people about that. What a fantastic performance, particularly uh, by Conway, by Mitchell, and and Jimmy Meacham. Just just warmed the heart, didn't it, especially against the Poms, you know, after the, the other World Cup we don't talk about. It did. Uh, it did, actually. Uh, and, you you know, you've worked a, a lot with um, uh, with people behind the scenes, not just the playing aspect of it. Uh, there's a few unsung heroes uh, that don't get to play anymore, people like Gary Stead. Uh, I mean, I, I made the analogy, if he, if he walked into most people's pub, they wouldn't know who he was. If Fozzie did, everyone know who he was. Uh, are we... Has he do something, Gary said? Has he do some recognition here? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's hilarious. Well, well, well no, uh, I think it's very apt that his nickname is Steady because he's absolutely been a steady hand on the tiller for the Black Caps. Uh, they are just such a steady, such a calm team. You know, you lose Guptill in the first over, you lose Kane Williamson not long after, uh, and, you know, that whole team could have panicked. But no, very steady, very calm, stick to the plan, stick to what they know how to do. And, you know, Darryl Mitchell comes through and hits 70 on off, not a lot. It's just, just fantastic to continue to see in that Black Caps team, Smitty, different guys stand up and, and, and count when, when they need to. And, and I think that's a sign of a really, really good team. So many in that team are able to stand up when it's their moment. And Jimmy Neesham again. What a what a man for the big moment Jimmy Neesham is. Yeah, he is actually. Um, Jordan, I'm not sure if you you follow uh, Jimmy Neesham much, but he, he's prone to Twitter. I think he's very nervous. They get very nervous around the Black Caps camp when he gets the phone out. But uh, to be honest, uh, he can he can do what he likes, Jordan, at the moment. Uh, and the other thing for me is, of course, Gary Stead's a cantab, so you're not surprised about his qualities, are you? Oh, not at all. And I'd just like to point out, I think Daryl Mitchell's really come into his own since he came down here. I think we can take full credit for that one as But no, honestly, what a game. Worth every ounce of sleep deprivation, honestly. I sat there on the couch at the end of it just going, what has just happened? You know, how outstanding are they? And Razzle Dazzle, I like to call Daryl Mitchell. I mean, get that shot of him at the end with one fist something, the other one with bad in the air, into Papa right now. It needs to be there. Um, and so special as old man was there to watch as well because he's not only one of the most informed and you know, talented players at the moment, but he's just a genuinely really nice guy. And I think all of the black caps are. And I just want to say, I popped to the coffee shop this morning afterwards. It's going to be needed, a few of those today. And the guy said, oh, um, he ordered his coffee and she said, oh, do you want one shot or two? He said, oh, triple. I was up with the kids all night watching the black caps. And I just thought, how cool is that? Like, I remember being growing up, me, my dad would get me and my brother up in the middle of the night. And those are some of my favourite memories growing up. And I just thought, what better role models at the moment? And those kids might be tired today at school or wherever they are, but they won't forget it. And I just think these right, are the moments won't. we live for yeah. I, I totally agree with you, Jordan. It's very special, and uh, let's hope that we've got one more uh, in the tank. And actually, Jimmy, you, you, don't, you wouldn't mind seeing uh, uh, John Mitchell, whose uh, who's journey all of a sudden now, as uh, the famous phrase, has, has taken him to, as a, a proud father all the way to Abu Dhabi, uh, and he's just finished with England. Yeah. He's going to Wasps. So what, a, what a cool time for, for a dad. Absolutely cool. We, we had Daryl Mitchell on the AM show this morning, and he, I said to him, mate, it must be nice to have your old man in there. And he said, yeah, it's pretty special, you know. And in this weird world that we're living in at the moment where, you know, you're not able to always get across and see family members and those sorts of things, to have your dad there when you played such a key innings uh, must have been really, really nice. And, uh, yeah, look, it, it, it just warms the cockles of your heart, doesn't it, to see a performance like that. And, uh, I actually hope, being that they play Australia in the final, I think it would be really nice mm. to see the subcontinent who, who wield so much political power in the game of cricket. It would be nice for them to again miss out because, um, yeah, there, there needs to be a sort of a sign that there's more to cricket than just the subcontinent teams. And we saw that with the, with the uh, one-day World Cup final and hopefully we get to see it again with the T20. It feels a little bit weird saying that I want Australia to win the game, uh, but it would be nice to play them, and of course it would be great to beat them in the final. 
nothing sweeter, Jimmy. Nothing sweeter on earth than watching them to, wa- to watching them uh, watch us get a trophy. That would be fantastic. We're going to take an, a quick news break, uh, Jordan and, and Jimmy, and then we'll be back. Uh, of course, the All Blacks uh, are on this weekend, and Jordan. You might have to explain a text that just comes through. For someone who sounds like you're Canterbury through and through, Richard has just texted through and said Jordan is actually a county's girl. We'll come back to that in a moment. The panel. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, Jimmy Kay's uh, Jordan Oppert with us. And uh, before we get on to the rugby, uh, Jordan, uh, is it true uh, you're a county's girl? Because uh, for God's sake, I've been listening to you over the last two or three times we've had you on. And you sound like the next Leanne Dalziel down there. <laughs> well, if you can't beat them, what do they say? Join them. So, I've joined them. So, I've been here for seven years now, or seven nearly up here, so I think I can sort of count myself as a canter, can't I? But no, I'm from a uh, place called Hatu near Pukukoi. Yep. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it, but yeah, I'm, I've changed my stripes. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, red and black are the colours in counties too, so... It just works, you know. they make good cricket pitches and uh, as well as uh, very good television pe- personalities as well, Jordan. So they make very good cricket pitches out of Paramahoe soil. Uh, Jimmy Case, uh, it is now finally time to get serious, serious about the All Blacks. Of course, we've got this Irish Test match on, um, and it would be nice to be at Aviva Stadium listening to uh, Ireland's call, wouldn't it? We can't. We're stuck at home, but uh, I'm looking forward to this. Oh, it's, it's at last it's going to be, you know, it's back to when they played South Africa. We've got a, a decent test match against a very, very good side. Uh, and it's one that you're not going to be able to pick the result of beforehand, you know. Last four times these teams have played each other, they're shared at 50-50, uh, two wins each. Uh, they're a very good side, Ireland. We saw that against Japan. They, they want to throw the ball around. Uh, it would be really fascinating to see if they do that as much against the All Blacks because uh, the All Blacks don't mind teams that have a crack at them. They like to turn the ball over and attack from turnover ball. So, yeah, there's a lot to, to look forward to in this test match. And, boy, there's a lot of intrigue, Smithy, about uh, the team that they're going to name tomorrow. OK, Jimmy, let's, uh, let's look at that then, shall we? <laughs> Uh, what do you think yeah. in those key areas? What What are you picking? Um, I think I'll stick with Bowden Barrett uh, at first five and, and Jordy Barrett at fullback. Um, I think they'll have um, uh, Will Jordan and Rico Iwani on the wings and, and the rest of that backline sort of picks itself. I would not be surprised, mate. I would not be surprised if, if uh, Aaron Smith is on the bench. Uh, I know that John Plumtree came out yesterday and said, oh, he's only going to arrive on Wednesday and that's not enough time and that sort of thing. Um, but, boy, if you've got the world's best halfback um, you know, in camp, wouldn't you want to get him there? So I'd say, you know, not surprised if he's on the bench and, and then starting probably against DuPont and France a week later. But the, the one that I don't know is what I do in the loose forwards. They have... So many good loose forwards to pick from. You know, do they bring back Sam Kane to start? Do they stick with Dalton Papali, who's played fantastically well, um, and Ethan Blackadder on the side, or, or you know, Luke Jacobson? I, I don't know. So many options there. I just don't know what they do there. But whatever they do, they're not really going to get it wrong because they're all fantastic players. It is. It's quite weird, though, Jimmy. I mean, you've been around rugby circles for such a long time, and you know you've been on tour with these guys, and we've got a side playing pretty well, but we've got all these unanswered questions about the personnel, and a weird sort. Of, I know it's healthy, but it's quite weird. 
it was quite weird. It, it was quite weird, but I actually don't mind it uh, because it means that there is huge depth and huge competition for those places. Uh, whereas before, you know, I guess I guess we were so used to having a, a bloke called McCaw at Oakenside uh, that you never even debated who was going to be the Oakenside. Well, well, now there's really healthy debate. I don't think it's Sam Kane's at all, even though he was the, the, the captain. Uh, I think Dalton Papali, in fact, with the odds suggest that there's a whole generation coming through who are putting huge mm. pressure on uh, in different positions as well. You know, Dane Coles played superbly well uh, last week, and he had to because there's huge pressure on a hooker. So, um, you, you know, that, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Um, the only, the, the, the two who stand out, though, as, as being sort of untouchable, really, at the moment, would be at lock with uh, Sam Whitelock and Brady Retellick. Sam Whitelock, mate, he's like, he's like one of your Hawks Bay wines. He just gets better with age. <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, he's absolutely outstanding. And, of course, uh, Jordan, he's from Christchurch as well. Uh, I've just got a text from Hugh to say, <laughs> yeah, not from you. Uh, I got a text from Hugh to say, near Patamahoi, Mauku Cricket Club is the oldest cricket club in New Zealand. I suppose you'd have known that. Yeah, so um, my brother, well, my brother did play there until they no longer had enough players to field a prem team. But they've actually just decided to start one up again this year, um, joining with. Tuakau and Waiuku, so a couple of the other districts around to get it back up and running. Because yeah, it's one of the oldest cricket clubs, beautiful grounds there, Dad's heavily involved. So yeah, it's just up the road from our place. Here's a here's a, an issue of conscience for you then, Jordan. Say that the T20 World Cup just might happen to be on at the same time as the All Blacks against Ireland. What are you watching? Oh, that's a no-brainer for me. And I feel bad saying that, but it's definitely going to be the cricket. Easy choice? Yeah, easy choice. I can watch the highlights of the rugby. Okay. Jimmy, what about you? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have the rugby on um, and probably somehow have a different device to keep the cricket on in the, in, in the background as well. I think I'd go to multiple devices uh, to make sure I was able to watch it, but what a, yeah, that's, so that's both at the same time Sunday morning. That's going to be an exciting Sunday morning, isn't it? It's going to be exciting, all right. And um, I, I guess you, you can, um, uh, it'll be interesting to actually see what unfolds in, in terms of that, of course. Uh, Jimmy, the Black Ferns, are they a worry for you? Bit of a worry? Yeah, they are a bit. Um, they're quite young and they haven't played a lot of rugby, so that combination hasn't really worked in their favour. And, and I don't know how much rugby they're going to play between now and next year's. Uh, World Cup, so yeah, they've been disappointing. You know, that's, that's unquestionable that they've been disappointing. Uh, understandably, I guess in some respects, because of what I said, that they haven't played much rugby, and that England team has played. You know, they're full timers and they're playing a lot, but the pressure's on Glenn Moore. Um, pressure's on big time. He's got to turn that team around and turn, you know, for, for next year's World Cup. Because when you host a tournament, you really want to get your team into the final, and, and of course, as Kiwis, we want to see them win it. Okay, Jimmy, thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, Jordan, I imagine you've still got some, some duties to do. Uh, New Zealand Racing Cup on Saturday. Me? Talking to me, sorry? Yeah, yeah, you, Jordan, uh, you still got oh. some duties to do in that respect? Yeah? Sorry, yes, you just cut out for a moment there. But yes, I sure do. I'm back in on, so I've got a couple of days off and I'm back in on Saturday. So, 
Yep, hoping to head down. It'll be a great day. It'll feel weird again, I think, because they are allowed some fans, but it is still stripped back. But being a slightly smaller venue when you when you're in it anyway, it feels like it. I think it'll feel a bit better the atmosphere. But yeah, hoping for a cracker day down there. Hopefully, the weather's better than Tuesday. Yeah, so do I. Um, and let's yeah, hope it is. And and hope I really did. So I was at the race at the gallops yesterday. It felt more like a race meeting than Cup Day did, but. Maybe that was just me. Anyway, uh, Jordan, uh, thank you very much for your time this morning. And, and Jimmy, uh, as always, uh, enjoy the weekend. Uh, I'm just being told that the rugby is on Sunday, the cricket on Monday, so you don't even have to worry about choosing the both of you. So there you go. Enjoy oh, the weekend. Good. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much, yeah. both of you. So uh, that was the panel, uh, 10.40 here on SENZ. Man, you might even want to risk a phone call on this, 0800 How about risking a phone call? We've got thousands of texts coming in on the cricket. I uh, wouldn't mind uh, a phone call, 0800 just to, to hear what you thought and uh, what you see about this team if, uh, if you want to. I'd uh, love to talk to you. It's uh, 10.40. Head towards uh, 11 o'clock, we'll be talking to uh, Louis Herman Watt and Paul Mawati, of course, before then, as we usually do. We're talking now to Andrew from Christchurch. Good morning to you, Andrew. I take it you watched the game this morning. What were your views, mate? I think the best team won, Smithy, and I think that all bodes well for the next game. I just wanted to read you a tweet from Jimmy Neesham 850 days ago. Kids, don't <laughs> okay. take up sport. Take up bacon or something. Diet 60, fat and happy. So today, I'm going to eat cream buns until I become fat, because I am today happy, Smithy. Happy. <laughs> Andrew, that is fantastic. You've managed to dredge that up. But now that you actually say that uh, and recall that, I recall it as well. Uh, and doesn't that just sum up Jimmy Neesham to an absolute nicety, to be fair? He's, uh, uh, he is, uh, they, I know New Zealand cricket get a little bit nervous when he, when he starts the tweeting pro, uh, pro, uh, practice and, and they're a bit worried about where it might end. But how, how accurate that one, eh? Exactly. And I think, you know, we all look for redemption in life or we all strive to be better. Um, and... 850 days ago, he wasn't in a good space when he wrote that. Now, he has a bit of redemption, and maybe just that little one inch of confidence coming into the next match. For me, I would like to see it against Pakistan. I know yourself were wanting the Aussies to be there. But if we get through to the final, don't make it all the way, and it's not against the Aussies, it's still another two fingers in the air, isn't it? Well, well, it is. Uh, I mean, uh, it is, uh, and uh, to a large degree, Andrew. Uh, the the reason I, I mean, my my theory about Australia is I think we can beat either of them. I, I'll be honest with you. On the day, I think we're, we're capable of beating e- either of them. My one comes from my personal history against Australia. It goes a long, long way back. Yeah. It goes back to um, being done out of things um, by uh, umpires, etc., uh, over a period of time, and that that kind of thing. When it's pretty deep-seated, and it has been for a while. Uh, I, I kind of like it when I, I mean, I take great joy. I have no sympathy for the Wallabies when I commentate on the sideline. I'll be honest with you. None. None whatsoever. I don't care if we beat them by 50 every week. I, I, re- I really don't um, because um, it's Australia. It, it, it's as simple as that. And I know the show goes to Australia on, on, on our app, uh, and they'll probably understand that, Andrew. And I, I, 
I get where you're from, man. I, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I, I like, you know, I really, I'm really going to push Gary Stead here for a, for a while here. I, I, this is amazing. This isn't, no, this isn't a fluke, you know. This has been well strategized and planned for quite some time, over about four or five years, mate. Almost strategized to the point of let's land in the UAE and turn to Daryl Mitchell and say, actually, you're going to open. So strategized almost for four years, apart from that one. Yeah. Thanks very much for your call, mate. I appreciate you uh, calling in on that. Yeah, 850 days ago when uh, we fell short in that Cricket World Cup in 2019, uh, Jimmy Neesham's uh, tweet, absolutely right. Don't play sport, kids. Uh, That's not where you want to be. And uh, right now... We're exactly where we want to be, and we're exactly happy that uh, Jimmy Neesham's part of where we want to be. Uh, it was a good move, putting Mitchell to open, says uh, one texter, and he had the experience of finishing the match after being a middle-order batsman all his career. And that is one of the things I, I like about Mitchell, um, is the fact that he's, he's done it now at both ends. He's opened and made an impact. He's closed and made an impact. Very much like um, Grant Elliott in terms of his closing ability. Not unlike him either, is he? Really, quite a slender sort of guy with a, a lot of hairy facial features, etc. Uh, don't forget Timaru Cricket Club, uh, says Shane and Timaru. We thought we were the oldest. 1863, at 158 years old, black cat Murray Parker was from here. I remember Murray Parker well. Uh, brother of John. Uh, Blake says, uh, what a win for the mighty black caps. We win a game. We were not supposed to win yet again with probably one of the best run chases I have seen from this side. Played perfectly, building a solid partnership after the loss of our two big guns in Kane and in Guppy. I think uh, taking it deep and not looking to go too hard too early is something Mitchell did extremely well. Even needing 13s, I was quietly confident or very confident with a Jimmy Neesham still in the shed. He's really blossomed into a world-class finisher in my opinion and is now a really crucial player in this side. Interested to hear your take on it. Well, I've said it throughout the morning, uh, to be honest, Blake. Yeah, he, he belongs He belongs in the side. He seriously does belong in this side. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he's worth his weight in gold at the moment. And this tournament in particular, this last month of cricket, he has been quite sublime. Uh, 10.51 here on SENZ. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking uh, a little bit of racing and some odds. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Well, Louis Herman Watt, two from two for Opie yesterday. I think that's one of the things to talk about. The other thing, uh, as I, I, I had a double take this morning, racing at Pukekohe. Yeah, bang on, Smithy. First of all, how did you finish? What was your ledger after a couple of days down in the South Island? Are you up or are you down? I'm a little down, but not as down as I used to be, so I'm pretty happy about that, Louis. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get on Opie. I should have, damn it. I really should have backed Opie, those two fantastically timed rides. But, yeah, never mind. I enjoyed the experience, but uh, not the same. You're right, he's a freak. When he's in form like he is, he's a freak. He just times it. He gets, gets lengths out of horses no one else does. Um, well done, Smithy. Did great work down there broadcasting both days. Really enjoyed it. Enjoyed listening along with it, but so I heard... Uh, today, yeah, Pukekohe, this is awesome. Falcon Thoroughbred Racing, great initiative. Well done to the jockeys and the administrators for getting this off the ground. Race four, Super Pursuit. Today, there's a lot of unknowns. So I'm trying to find horses 
jockeys and stables that I can trust that I know are going to be ready to go. For me, Andrew Calder is a jet jockey. Richard Collard is a good trainer, has his horses ready. Super Pursuit is a proper horse that was beating Mai Tai, Rockin' Horse, Open Handicappers last preparation. I know he's fresh up. Probably will be the most vulnerable he'll be. There's a couple of lighter weighted chances in the race, but for me, Super Pursuit at $2.20 and race four is the bet. Thank you very much, uh, Pip Morris from the TAB. And Pip, it's your day. It's Greyhound Cup Day. It's Galaxy Day. Uh, fantastic, uh, really, uh, the occasion for you. Um, looking forward to it? Oh, I certainly am. It's the best, well, arguably the best day on the card, I think, for the Greyhounds. It's just, you know, the best of the best going to war with that New Zealand Cup. Dean and Dave Fay here looking for their 10th smithy, and Craig Roberts is looking for his third, and then, yeah, you've got the short course sprinters in the stairs, and even the undercard. It's just such a great night of racing, and, yeah, I really can't wait. Big time Cooper win the Galaxy? Look, I think he will. He comes up with box number one, and I'm just having a look at it. Typhoon Tim and him usually lead up about the same, but Typhoon Tim's got to get around big time Bree, who can hang out, and Nevada Phil, where Cooper's just got the quick way home. So I really think he is, and he's into $2.50. Of course, Lisa Cole won it last year, and look, got a real stranglehold on it this year. Yeah, they have, and the Fahey's have got three in the race. Um uh, in terms of the cup, um, and uh, yeah, not favourite though. Yeah, yeah, last year's winner, Craig Roberts, favourite with Leonard Bale, loose favourite. Not quite. Um, a Parva superstar still holds favouritism at two dollars. There's actually been a sixteen hundred dollar bet on him as well. Look, I think if Big Time Panda uh, jumps well, which she usually does, she's been the fastest lead up and crosses, and he just falters a little bit. He's sitting in eight pretty much, Smithy, and he's unbeaten from that draw. So. Look, I still think it's a chance, but um, yeah, I'm with Leonard Bale for Craig. Okay, right, just to be advised to uh, Pip that our bet for the week, our show challenge is Scotty Scheffler in the Houston Open to finish in the top 10 at $3.10. Scotty Scheffler, the form horse, $3.10. Have a great day, Pip, uh, and enjoy the Greyhounds. I will be. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Well, we've been focusing a lot on cricket this morning and uh, no wonder why. Fantastic performance by uh, the Black Caps earlier on. Uh, and a lot, a lot of rugby as well. We've uh, been talking about uh, NPC rugby and, of course, the All Blacks against Ireland. But we cannot forget the beautiful game. And that's why we get to R- Ricardo Ballin at this time on a Thursday just to review where things are at, uh, the, the various tables, etc., particularly the EPL. Uh, and, and, of course, the... Uh, Every now and then we uh, are lucky enough to talk about the All-Whites because they're getting to play a bit lately. They've uh, won the last couple, of course, uh, knocking over uh, Curacao and Bahrain just last month. And now, uh, Ricardo, good morning to you. Um, We've got another couple of games uh, on Saturday and the following Wednesday, Algeria and uh, Gambia. Yeah, which is some great tests. I mean, that Algerian side are tuning up for... Uh, an African Cup composition, so uh, it'd be interesting to see how uh, how strong that team is. But it also gives the All Whites, you know, some great experience playing a different uh, playing a different against, against different style of football because the Algerians tend to play a very kind of Spanish style. Uh, they like to keep the ball a lot. They tend to have some pretty silky players, so uh, that'll be interesting. And then uh, Gambia, as I notice, they like to be called Smithy, the Gambia, which is up mm. there with rugby mm. union, isn't it? Um, um, uh, we're playing them too, and, and that'll be a whole different test because, you know, I mean, Africa's such a big, diff- 
continent. They they play several different styles of football on that continent, and uh, they'll, they'll be quite quite different. They'll be more physical. Um, they will definitely uh, test us in terms of pace at the back, I would imagine. And, uh, yeah, it's not going to make life easy. All of a sudden, there's, uh, I, I dare say, a familiarity about uh, the all-white squad. It's a squad that we've hardly seen together for such a, a long time, and now we're getting used to the name. So uh, Danny Hay's been uh, pretty faithful uh, with what he's able to pick, of course, uh, COVID in mind. Yeah, yes, and I mean it has hamstrung him a little bit in a couple of positions. I think, um, particularly with Bill Tuiloma uh, being uh, ruled out uh, with an injury, um, he's it's a big blow because I thought he did really well in the last round of games. He, he gives Danny a few options as well. He's great as part of a back three, or he can sit in as a defensive midfielder and, and, and screen the, the defensive line as well. So I think he's a loss, um, and you know that was. He, he's somebody that maybe a Tim Payne or somebody could have come in for, but obviously they can't take players out of New Zealand or Australia at the moment because of, of COVID. And the other one is too, you know, you've got to remember that we haven't had Ryan Thomas because he's had an injury uh, and he's still trying to get back into the PSV burst team. And on top of that, you, you lose him and you can't select Costa Barbarusis or Marco Rojas either out of, uh, out of Sydney and Melbourne. Um, so... Yeah, it's, uh, there are still players to come in, but I think it's showing really good signs of depth for the All-White. Wouldn't the All-Whites have qualified, though? I mean, if they had have chosen to take players over there, if they'd known they were going to have a month of football, uh, couldn't they have taken players over there anyway? Because uh, being a national team, a la the, uh, the All Blacks and, uh, you know, the, the other Black Ferns, etc., and uh, the Black Caps, wouldn't they have got an exemption straight back in in the MIQ, being a national team? Nope. Not, not apparently. I mean, uh, Danny Hayes has been having to, you know, when they went over for the Curacao um, Bahrain game, he, he hasn't been back. Um, he stayed over there because he couldn't get an MIQ spot. I, I see that he has got an MIQ spot to come back this time, but there's three other staff over there from Zealand Football who haven't been able to get an MIQ spot, so they're still, still going to be stuck over there. So uh, it's interesting, you know, you look at it and you, you could... Uh, reason why on this study, but uh, I thought it was interesting that the All Blacks can take Aaron Smith straight to Ireland and he's got an MIQ spot to get back in. You know, the All Whites, the CKB boys, uh, they seem to struggle. Oh, it's got me, it's absolutely got me baffled with um, the inconsistencies about the whole deal, but hopefully, hopefully, shortly, we'll just take it out of play and uh, we can move on with, with life, which means that he can get the complete squad together when he wants to. Uh, Danny Hay, uh, let's talk uh, um, should we win both these games or, or not? I, I, to be honest, it, it, it's it's one that um, I'm not entirely sure about. Uh, you know, that Algerian side, uh, there are some of the players that they have who are playing in the Premier League or in the Championship. Um, so, uh, But I think from uh, what I understand, the bulk of this Algerian side we're going to play are going to be domestically based out of Algeria. So I think we should probably have the wood on them, if you like, um, so long as Tupperid Singh is fit. I understand he has a bit of a niggle. The Gambia, I had a look at their team, uh, who they can select, and you know they, they remind me a bit of Curacao in terms of where their players are playing. They've got a lot of players playing at reasonably decent levels in Europe, so I think it's going to be a real challenge. So, I mean, if you're Danny, these games, as much as you want to win, they're not about that. They're about um, getting... Getting players playing different styles, uh, getting used to different styles, and, and and forming those partnerships and relationships. But I would think a win and a draw would be the would be what I would be looking at. Probably a win against the Algerians, depending on what team he plays, and then and then if we get something out of the Gambia, I think um, it'll be a good result. 
Let's uh, talk about uh, combinations because all of a sudden, um, with a spate of games, uh, Danny Hay can look at combinations, I guess. What, what about up front? Who would you start up front with Chris Wood? Well, the way he's playing at the moment, uh, he's, playing, he's playing a three um, at front. So Chris Wood down the middle and then two wider forwards. And, I mean, as I mentioned, there's no Barbarousas or Rojas who would be you know, in contention, you would think. But at the moment, um, you've got to say Eliza Just. I think he's, he's a superb player. He's coming on really well, some great touches and some really good drive as well. I think, um, I think he's been going really well. And, and the guy that really stood out for me in their last international win- window was Joey Champness. Who uh, is you know might not be that familiar to some Kiwi fans. He made his debut in the last window. He's he's Kiwi, um, but being pretty much grew up in in Australia, and uh, he's a very good player. He's got a great touch. He's he's got a little bit of the uh, young Cristiano Ronaldo's about him. He likes to step over. He likes to dribble. He likes to take players on. So I think at the moment with what he's got available, that would be his preferred front three. Right. Let's. Uh Perhaps look at the, the EPL now. I'm not, I'm not sure you watch too much of the cricket coverage, but they focused on two blokes in particular. One was John Mitchell, and the other was Steve Bruce, of course. Uh, he's uh, got a bit of time up his sleeve now, having uh, left Newcastle. But Eddie Howe taking over there uh, at St James's Park. Yeah, it was an interesting interesting call. I mean, Eddie Howe's a very good young British man, or English manager. He did some really good things at Bournemouth, um, but then that, that sort of ran its course, I think. So... He's had about 18 months out of the game now, and he's going in there, and he's obviously uh, got maybe not quite an open checkbook, but he's certainly got a lot more money to play with than he, he would have had at Bournemouth. Um, so I already see uh, they're talking to Kieran Trippier, the uh, English right back who plays at Atletico Madrid, um, so about bringing him back to play at Newcastle, and Nicholas Schuller, who is uh, a centre-back at Bayern Munich, 26 German international. So they're already being linked to those two players. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be... It, it's a really interesting appointment. To, to some degree, I think it's a bit of a gamble. Um, I mean, at the moment, the Newcastle are, and with the squad they've got, that odds on for relegation. So Eddie Howe could be starting his rebuild in the championship next season, and maybe that's why they've made this appointment, because he's a guy that's got teams out of the championship before. Um, so from that point of view, it was interesting. I thought they might have gone safe. They might have, uh, you know, I, I know Newcastle fans agreed to think it, but have gone a Sam Allardyce on a short-term contract just through the next summer to try and keep them up because that's what he's a specialist at. But they've gone uh, for the project. They've gone for the guy that they think can build the club. Uh, and, and then that guy is Eddie Howe, which I, I think is a big call. Uh, but I'll be interested to see how it goes and be interested to see how a guy that used to, you know, uh, signing players out of League One and the Championship and things like that goes with uh, being able to have a bit of a checkbook and going overseas to Spain and Germany and signing proven internationals. Well, the key words there are checkbook because all of a sudden he's going from Bournemouth to a club which probably has got bottomless pockets, which I would imagine puts him under a bit more pressure as well. But he'll be on the receiving end of a decent paycheck with those new owners, wouldn't he? I would say so, yeah. I mean, uh, I know that Steve Bruce got paid out $8 million to leave. Um, that's not bad, is it, Smitty? Uh, <laughs> mm. Most other jobs, if you if, if you don't do your job properly, you get sacked. They don't pay you out the rest of your contract, but that's what happens in football. So yeah, he's on a pretty good wicket there, old Steve Bruce. No wonder he's smiling watching the cricket. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there will be more pressure. Uh, I think he'll be given some time to get it right so long as they can, you know, stay up. I don't think they really want to go down to the championship, but I don't think that's the end of the world if they do, um, especially given some of the players they've got. There's a lot of dead wood in that Newcastle squad. 
that they'll need to move. So, yeah, he's got he and Jason Tindall as assistant, who was his assistant at Bournemouth, have got uh, plenty of work to do, mate. So I think there will be pressure, but I don't think there's going to be pressure probably for about 18 months. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he can turn the team around in the second half of the season. Do we associate the name Steven Gerrard with Aston Villa all of a sudden? Well, we could do, mate. Yeah, that's the word. It's uh, interesting that he wants to leave Rangers now, isn't it, that, uh, that the Villa job's come up. Um, just as things are getting a bit tight in Scotland, because he's had a pretty good run in Scotland, but he's had a good run when Celtic, who had been dominant for so long, were really regressing badly and needed a rebuild. So he's, he's gone and he's won two titles. And uh, and now it looks like Celtic under Ange Postacoglu, the, the former Australian uh, manager, uh, but uh, they're on the up and up again. And, and, and now he's uh, looking at the Villa, which is an interesting call because everybody thought that he would be in line to replace Jurgen Klopp. You know, um, I think generally speaking, people expect Jurgen Klopp to have done his dash in, in the next 18 months to two years and that Stephen Gerrard would be the natural successor. So is this a planning? Is this planning from Gerrard? I'm going to go and get a taste of managing the Premier League with Aston Villa. Um, off the back of the success I've had at Rangers, and then in two years when Klopp goes, uh, you know, I'm I'm that much closer to to being at the level that I need to be. So, I think Stephen Gerrard will see this as a stepping stone to that job. Whether or not it's a good move for Aston Villa, I don't know because I I think, uh, you know, the Scottish league is a lot different to the uh, Premier League. You know, I mean, in in the Scottish league, you've got what Rangers, Celtic, um, Aberdeen on a good day, Hibs and Hearts potentially. Um, might give them a bit of a run, but the rest are, you know, it, it's a walk in the park each time you play them. So, uh, Premier League's a lot different. It's way more of a better week in, week out. So, yeah, it's an interesting, if they go that way, it's a really interesting appointment for me from, from Aston Villa. I don't think it's a particularly safe appointment. Uh, probably not one that if I was running that club that I would make. But, uh, you know, there's the, the other one that has been floated as well. Smithy is Frank Lampard and John Terry as a duo, remembering that John Terry was at Miller as an assistant to Dean Smith for a couple of seasons and then left uh, in the last season. Uh, that's also been flooded. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the EPL this weekend as well. What are the key matchups for you, Ricardo? Uh, well, we've got a we've got an international window, Smithy, so there are there's no EPL. All right, this okay. But, uh, you know, England, uh, we've got European and uh, uh, qualifying for the World Cup and things going on. So there's, there's plenty of, uh, there's going to be plenty of matches coming out of Europe. OK, let's look at those then, um, in, in terms of uh, those particular groups. Who's under pressure, most of all? Of the teams that we associate, we know. England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, etc. Uh, the, the ones that are familiar to us, France, Germany, Spain, are they all comfortable? Most of them are, are comfortable. Uh, I mean, the Scots are, are in a really good position. They're probably under Steve Clark in the best position they've been in for a long time. They um, they they look comfortably second in their group. Um, what second means is that you don't automatically qualify. Only the first teams qualify, but the, uh, the the next teams after that, the second teams, then go into into more qualifying to see who gets into the next round. Um, so. Uh, you know, you basically got to play a semi-final and a final to get to the um, to get to the World Cup, and that's kind of where things are looking at the moment. Um, so, in terms of the groups, um, you know, the, the Scots uh, they really just need, I think, three points uh, out of their last two games. One of those games is against the team that is top of the group who have not dropped the game uh, all all qualifying, and that is the Danes. Uh, they've played eight, one eight. Scotland is second, um, and they are four points ahead 
of Israel, um, who are, you know, the next the next best team. So really, in this, um, Scotland just need a win over the next two games. One three points over the next two games should be enough to get them home, and I, I think they're, they're good enough to do that. They're away at Moldova, uh, and then they are uh, at home to. Denmark, so they'll be wanting to get the job done in Moldova, and then they can take their foot off the gas against the Danes, who are looking to go 100% in their group. Okay, Ricardo, always great to catch up with you, mate, to get the, all, all that we need to know out of uh, football, particularly in Europe, and uh, what's going on in New Zealand as well. So, uh, thanks, mate. Thanks again. Mike, thank you, Smitty. Anytime, buddy. Have a great one. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Ricardo Borlea, uh, of course, uh, one of our team here on SENZ. He's been uh, doubling up in the mornings with Baz and Iz, Izzy at the moment, but of course you can hear him as well uh, at night time too. Here on uh, <coughs> SENZ 11.17, yes, um, uh, what have we got coming up? We'll take some uh, texts and calls, I think, uh, and then we'll uh, look at our pacing for purpose. We've got that uh, coming being Thursday afternoon. Uh, we're going to chat too to Michael Dore further about the Greyhounds coming up uh, later this afternoon at the Addington Raceway. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Get Nasser on the phone. He is in another orbit. Lazarus does it again. SENZ is pacing for purpose. Thanks to Harness Racing New Zealand. Been a massive week in Christchurch, and uh, they're racing today, of course, uh, down there at Ashburton, trotting down there, and uh, then back uh, to Addington tomorrow, uh, being uh, Friday, uh, and then, of course, uh, it's New Zealand Cup Day, the gallops again at Rickerton Park on Saturday, so about halfway through, about halfway through, and uh, those that can are having a lot of fun down there, I can promise you that. It's pacing for purpose time for us, uh, what happens here is that we get given 50 bucks and uh, we put it on a pacer each week or a trotter each week and then we uh, any profit goes to a charity of our choice and ours is uh, Women's Refuge of course. We started off with a Hissner Oil and we're due another one. Uh, so uh, we've been given Sunday Sun tomorrow at Addington, race 9, 2 minutes past 5, Sunday Sun. It's only paying about $1.80, $1.90 but we're pretty desperate for a winner so we need to get uh, Sunday Sun up for it's from the Dunn Stable. Uh, Robert Dunn and uh, Jenna, uh, the training it, and uh, John Dunn will be driving it. So that's it. Two minutes plus five tomorrow afternoon at uh, Addington Raceway. A um, couple of texts have come in. I hope no one now criticises our players for playing in the IPL. They absolutely deserve earning the big bucks after what they do for our country, and I think Mitchell will be in Fleming and Donny's radar to play for that team. They always like uh, an opener who uh, is an all-rounder as well. So, yep, no doubt about it. He will be on someone's radar. He'll be a factor in the auction. Daryl Mitchell probably made himself a lot of money just by the buy this morning. Michael's come on a slightly different tangent saying, semi-final on Saturday, what team are you uh, picking to win, Hawks Bay or Tasman? Well, on form, you'd have to say that Hawks Bay and Michael are, are the favourites. They will be healthy favourites at the TAB as well. I've just played well. The players, uh, the bulk of their squad, have had uh, a week off as well. Or maybe uh, some of them are two weeks off because of the fact that they've qualified and they've had a, a non-championship game the other day. Uh, Tasman are just struggling a little bit, I think it's fair to say. Uh, they're down in the locking department. No Quinton Strange, no Putty Putty Parkinson. Two massive losses 
in their engine room. So that's going to hurt them. But Tasman are Tasman. They know how to win this. They know how to win this competition. Uh, they've been there a long time, and they've got a proud record on it. So uh, there we go. Um, let's uh, we're waiting for Michael Dord to join us from uh, Greyhound Racing. Uh, in the meantime, let's just relive a few of those magic cricket moments from this morning. Milne, he'd love one early in his spell as he will get it at mid-off, hit straight to Williamson who goes low and around Shinheit takes a good catch right on the 30 metre circle, Satna reverse swept by Butler he's got a backward of point, he's got it through the inner circle, the placement is quite astounding, Ishsodi to start the ninth over, here's a big shot for LBW, that's got to be close and it's gone Josh Butler going for the reverse sweep. He's missed it, and so he looks like he's hitting halfway up, middle and off. Well, Tim Southey's back into the attack for his fourth and final over, and he bowls short, and he's pulled over square leg. Six runs. The first Burger King whopper moment. Southey under pressure. He goes length ball again. Inside edges it, and caught. Yes, I think Milan is gone. New Zealand have the breakthrough. Three right arm over the wicket. Mill bowls a full into the slot. Hit a long way up. Is it long enough? It is. Just over the side screen. Six to start the over. Six to end the over. He's hit powerfully over extra cover. But Satna's around from long off to take the catch. So it will be Wokes with a slip in place. Right arm over the wicket, medium fast. He will be bowling to Martin Guptill and he presents with first up outside of off stump and Guptill launches over cover. The perfect start. He's a leading edge to Guptill. It's gone to mid on. Here's a wicket and a big one. Huge blow in fact. Guptill goes for just four. Wokes 148 as Williamson now looking to scoop one straight up in the air and he's going to be caught. Short fine leg. Comes around and takes a simple catch. It's Conway driving uppishly over extra cover and a long way to one bounce into the fence for four. Zinniani loads and goes short and Conway cutting away over point. Has that gone all the way? It just kept going. It is six runs. Halfway through the 14th. And here is a stumping for England. Conway goes. Livingston has him this time. Here is Nisham. Slope sweep over mid-wicket. Towering, towering blow. Over the rope. Into the fence. Another six. Jimmy Nisham's on another planet tonight. Six more. Half-century Daryl Mitchell of 41 balls. He's 52 not out. And New Zealand have all the momentum now. This one wider of off stump hits it into the cover region and oh. is caught. Ah. High on the bat as he's trying to play the cut stroke. Here is Mitchell hitting high over long on. Six more, Daryl Mitchell. You beauty. Wokes is waiting. Blows on his hand, ready to go. He sets off. Right arm, medium fast, bowls wide of the crease and bowls a full toss that swung away. Down to the backward square leg boundary for four. Four runs means victory. How sweet. How absolutely sweet. And uh, you could hear the excitement from uh, Daniel McCarty as he called it on SENZ this morning, ball by ball. It was fantastic to listen to. If you watched it on Sky Sport, you'd have enjoyed the the pictures, the reaction from the New Zealanders and uh, the sparse New Zealanders and the crowd dotted around the place, certainly outnumbered by the English, but as is always the case, they have their day, the New Zealand contingent that have travelled from uh, maybe sort of New Zealand, some certainly from that part of the world.
absolutely brilliant. Uh, whilst it wasn't the final, uh, says Mike, this morning's performance by the Black Caps rates right up there for me. Their ability to stay in the moment, very, very important, Mike. Focused on one ball at a time and the infusion of their skipper's calm. What will be, will be. Okay, sarah, sarah. Uh, approach makes uh, all the difference. One of our top cricketing team performance in my 60 years, 60 plus years, as a loyal fan. I hope you enjoyed it. Mike, I really do hope you enjoyed it. It sounded like it did, but we're not there yet. And I hope you can uh, say the same sort of thing and reflect on the same thing. On Monday morning, it's 11.30 here on SENZ, and it is that time of the day again, folks. Try and win 50 bucks worth of TAB vouchers. 0800 150 Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Here we are again, time to give 50 bucks away, and probably more importantly for people who stayed up and watched the cricket, some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And here we go, Christchurch again, the Garden City. G'day, Mark. How you going, mate? Very well, thanks, mate. Did you get up and watch the cricket? No, no. I had to start work early, so I was, uh, I was in bed. I was pretty confident the boys would win, mate. Yeah, oh, nice. Oh, how good is it that we've got that much, that much confidence in the Black Caps these days and they repay us, so it's brilliant. Anyway, three sporting categories. You get three questions right, you win, but get one wrong and Smithy can stump you. So your categories today, football, cricket or basketball? God. I have to go cricket. Why not? Tis the season. I'd say if you didn't watch this morning... You might be in trouble here, but let's go. Black Caps opening batsman Daryl Mitchell was the hero in this morning's epic semi-final victory over England at the T20 World Cup. What did Daryl Mitchell score? 78. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, it was a bloody good knock. He carried his bat in the T20, quite sensational. So Daryl Mitchell, how much did he score against England this morning? Uh, he scored 72 not out. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Unlucky Mark, try again mate, another day. Appreciate your time, and one of our favourite callers, Elliot from Auckland. G'day Elliot. How's it chap? Very well mate, it's been a while, been a while. Smithy's already got one stumping and you're his favourite victim, so let's go on to number two. England made 166 for four. Which Black Caps bowler had the best economy rate? Tim Salvi? One of the oh, worst oh, things. Oh, That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh. Right oh. in the slot. Oh. And away it goes. Stumped myself there. It was Tim Salvi, wasn't it, Smithy? And he has been superb. He has been superb for a long, long period of time, Tim Salvi. And he just gets on and does it. He really does. And, um, you know, he, he's very clever. Very heady bowler. And uh, I get more and more impressed with him all the time, to be fair. Yeah, so do I, actually. One for 24 or four overs. Great return. And finally, for the 50 bucks and for the Sleep Drops Daytime Revive, Elliot, Jimmy Neesham came in. He blasted the Black Caps into the match with 27 runs off 11 balls. How many sixes did Jimmy Neesham hit? Three. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, well easy. done, well oh, too easy. Listen to him, Smithy. Uh, it was a hell of a knock from Jimmy Nation. He's got the sort of confidence that Elliot does. He has. 
He, he, I mean, he just believes in himself. Uh, he's got a bit of swagger about him. He's not everyone's cup of tea, and um, from time to time he's got himself into a spot of bother, but I don't care about that now. Not right at this moment, to be honest. Uh, yeah, he is the spark, play. and remember... Yep, don't don't uh, forget either, Elliot. Who was the guy that they asked to uh, open with Gupta in the Super Over in 2019? Because he's got that X factor. So uh, it was uh, Jim, uh, Jimmy Neesham. So uh, he's a winner today. You're a winner today, mate. Stay on the line, and Brian will get your details. Congratulations, and enjoy the 50 bucks, and make plenty of it. Yeah, too right. <laughs> Good on you, boy. I uh, love that. And Smithy, we just right. got a text in. If anyone beats Smithy in answering cricket, which I don't think too many people have, you should offer 100 bucks, not 50 Should double the money when it's cricket. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, I must admit, if I, if I get beaten too often on cricket, then I'm a bigger muppet than most people think I am, to be honest. I mean, that's been, been, my, been my, a bit of my lifeblood for quite some time. Uh, John, we're going to have an interesting uh, link-up with a bit of uh, luck. We're going to go and try to go into uh, Australia to uh, a bloke called uh, Jared Watley, who does uh, the morning show over there in Sydney. Um, and he will be uh, a little bit nervous, I would imagine. He's a cricket man. Uh, Australia against Pakistan tonight. So we can gloat a wee bit as we join our brothers from across the Tasman. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Your programme, Smithy, are you there? I am Jared Waitley, uh, live from Melbourne. Um, we uh, have uh, got him, folks, New Zealand folks listening in here. He is uh, our brother. He's our big brother. He's got a lot more experience than us. Uh, but at the moment, uh, Jared Waitley, we're in pretty good shape because yes. uh, at least we know what we'll be doing and what we'll be watching on Monday morning. <laughs> what about you? No, we're a bit nervy. We've gone through a few phases, Smithy. We, we, we have been pessimistic the whole way through. We're a bit... We were despondent after the England game. We, we've found a way to, mm. to search for some optimism, but we are, I must say, we are full of admiration for what just happened. And if we're searching for inspiration, it is New Zealand. And I love the sermon this morning all about retribution and belief. <laughs> yeah, well, let's be fair. Um, it isn't over yet because you're in our sights, as they like to say, in terms of retribution uh, Jared, but hey, now look. In all honesty, very, very happy with the way they played. Um, you know, they're a they're a side that have that have shown the world in the last uh, four to five years, uh, maybe a little bit longer actually, that they are now um, are not scared of the big stage. They're not they're not scared of being out there. They don't get stuck in the headlights anymore when it comes to the the, the big ones. So uh, that's what I like about it. Um, there's a, a calmness about. Uh, Kane Williamson has filtered through the side a, a belief that he sort of engenders in them, and it comes to from uh, the coach Gary Stead, who is one of the unsung heroes who no one knows really in yep. this country. Certainly wouldn't know him over there, uh, but he's done a good job moulding them together. They're, 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 we're pretty proud of them, to be honest, mate. Well, you should be. I, that, it's the CV of the world's best cricket team: is Test World Champions, tied for the the 50-over World Cup, now in the, the uh, final of the T20 World Cup. So just tell me the flow of it. So 57 off 24, it didn't seem terribly likely, did it? No, it, 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 it didn't, um, especially against an experienced side like England with a, a hell of a good captain and Owen Morgan. You kind of think that uh, he pretty much had New Zealand where he wanted them at that point. But the fickle nature of T20 cricket, the smallish boundaries mean that you're never that safe um, completely and utterly and, until basically the maths does the job for you and you can't, uh, you can't win. 
Uh, so that it's not insurmountable. It's been done before. Uh, but it takes someone to come out with a bit of spunk, a bit of spark about them. Uh, and certainly, if you look at uh, the way Nishan played, 27 yeah. from 11, he always hasn't been our favourite son over here. He, he tends to go the controversial route. Could have been Australian, actually, I suppose, <laughs> for, um, with that kind of thing. But no, and I, seriously, he could have, um, he, he, you know, Jimmy Nisham has, has done it before. He's been asked to do big jobs before. And every now and then, he is as good as, uh, as most in the world and sometimes better than them, too. So uh, today was his morning. 27 from 11, that was the spark uh, that got Mitchell into the closing role. Who is Daryl Mitchell, Ian? It's how well known in how I imagine ahead of this tournament, he there wasn't a great deal of affection for him. People might have known him, but he was he's hardly at the forefront of cricket discussion. No, he's not, uh, Jared. In fact, um, he, you would call him the son of. He's the son of a former All Black coach and John Mitchell, who yep. has actually up until about a week ago or ten days ago been helping your very own Eddie Jones. Coach England, so he's basically been the son of, and all of a sudden he's uh, he's not John Mitchell's father of, and he was in the crowd as well, which was uh, there's a bit of romance about that. Uh, but look, he's a kid who's he's just one of those um, mid range for a long time most mid range cricketers. Give him a job to do, and he'll do it. Give him a, a job to do on a slightly bigger and important uh, event, he'll do that for you too. Uh, give him a role to play in any form of the game. And all of a sudden, he's uh, starting to become more than just a doer. He's a, he's a high achiever. So uh, he's not foreign to New Zealand cricket fans, but he is to the world, or he was to the world. And now uh, we were just surmising not that long ago, actually, what his IPL worth might be oh, yeah. uh, right now. If they had an auction this morning, where would he rank? Good stage to do it on. So just give me your overall, mm. what, what What are your... You know, you've lived it. What are your personal levels of admiration for Kane Williamson and, and what has been built? And and as you rightly point out, is repeated over and over in, in the biggest moments. They're, they're as accomplished as any. The thing about Kane Williamson, you and I would probably hate Kane Williamson uh, as an interview subject, Jared, because to try and get anything um, in terms of what Kane Williamson is about, or any accolades about himself is nigh on impossible. It's just people have tried for donkey's years uh, when they've said, Kane, you were brilliant today. Uh, well, you know, and he'll level it out the whole time. So that's one of the reasons I think why he's so damn successful, um, because he just keeps a lid on things, um, and, and, and really he doesn't go overboard about too much. And he won't have... Uh, I noticed there was a little bit of excitement there. He got on his feet at one stage, and I thought, man, this, this must be thrilling if he's actually got <laughs> off his seat. Uh, and he, you know, but afterwards you could hear his reflection uh, with the interview with Michael Atherton, and and he was just, he was just, um, ex- he almost expectant, and um, what that means is if he's expectant, uh, then uh, the players think, well, you know, he expects us to do well. He, he's not hoping we are; he's expecting us to, and that's I think that's the kind of feeling that they've got now, uh, and they've got some good guys that are sort of supporting them. They have got Luke Ronke, you know, Luke Ronke very well in, in Australia. They've I've got him as their batting and fielding coach. I've got Shane Jurgensen. I'm giving you guys a lot of credit here. Another Australian who's <laughs> been wond- wonderful with, with the bowlers. Uh, they've got Shane Bond on board. Uh, they uh, have also had uh, Stephen Fleming pop in and out of the group. Uh, and, the, and the whole thing has been orchestrated by Gary Stead behind the scenes, who is an unsung hero, unrecognisable, basically, on both sides of the Tasman. Shouldn't be, but is. Uh, and, but that, I think, is 
is pretty much how you sum this team up. Um, the, the glory boys out in the middle um, are very, very well prepared uh, when it comes to crossing that white line. One of the first messages we got this morning, Smithy, was the only thing missing was Ian Smith's voice. What does it do to <laughs> the events of Lords that, that, that you depicted for us so, uh, so meaningfully and so passionately? Yeah, I'd have loved to have been there, Jared. There's, there's no lie about that. But, of course, we're uh, in the situation where if you leave New Zealand, uh, you may not be able to get back till uh, I think, about 2036. So yes. uh, we're just a little bit hesitant to pop on the plane. Uh, so at least my good colleague Simon Dool was there to call it. And Dooley, of course, was part of that group that called that 2019 World Cup final uh, at Lords as well. What it does to me, it's, it's a little bit of retribution. It's a little bit of revenge. Uh, I would have missed. I missed the moment of not being there. Um, but honestly, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't miss the success of it. And and uh, I, I'm also fully aware, Jared, that of course we've got another hurdle to to uh, to uh, mm. to jump to win this damn thing. And that hurdle might be you. So my turn. It's my turn yes. to ask some questions yep. here. Uh, where where are the keys? Where are the keys for you uh, tomorrow morning, three o'clock our time, a little earlier your time? So. It's Hazelwood nicking off Barbara's arm in the second over. So mm-hmm. I, I made the list today, Smithy, of what's tangible. What have I seen before? It's Warner getting hold of a Freedy at, at length in the early stages. It's Maxwell, uh, who's played a big role in Harris Ralph's uh, career, getting hold of mm-hmm. him in the latter overs and beyond the power play, taking to the spinners. So it's not. A wing and a prayer for Australia. There are some bankables there. And after the, the the trouncing by England, which was about as roughed up as I can remember an Australian team in any format being in many a year, uh, two compelling performances which have righted a few things. Hazelwood is in good form. And it is, I would imagine, it, it should be the way the pitches have gone. It should suit his bowling early. So Australia has to get Barbara's arm in the first couple of overs. Or if Australia bats, or it doesn't matter whether it's first or second, Warner has to get away. So Finch, Finch, I think, is the support role for Warner with Marsh at three. Australia can't lose two wickets in the power play because they don't make sense after that. Maxwell can't be in before the seventh over. That's the IPL formula. It's what Australia hasn't been able to replicate at this World Cup. So one for with Warner going and Maxwell coming in in over number seven or eight. That would work, and Hayeswood getting Baba Azam early, and and Cummins in his in his usual in his usual guise. I'm not I'm not sure. I think Stark's a huge risk in this tournament, but th- those those are my parameters. Zampa, what about Zampa if things don't go to plan initially? So he is perfect in the um, which was the Bangladesh game. Four wickets early, and then he took the rest of them. I. If, if Zampa's on and, and they're well set, if their openers are well set and Zampa's on, um, I doubt that he can turn the match. But if Australia does get early wickets through the quicks, I think he can he can both contain and do damage through the middle. He is growing he is growing in stature, I think. Uh, it's a big stage for him, and there are better spinners at the tournament, obviously. But he will feel absolutely brimful of confidence right now to do his thing. Jared, always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, we have to uh, go and make some money for Mr. Hutchison now in forms <laughs> of 
uh, some advertisements as well, I guess you have to. Yes. Let's, uh, let's make a date, shall we? Um, yep. and, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. Should we be in the final of this tournament, we'll make contact Monday morning. Shall we have a little, uh, a quick review Monday morning? You're on. Let's hope that's the case. Good man. Okay, Jared. Yeah, good to talk to you, man, as always. Absolutely. Uh, Jared Waitley there from Melbourne there. Thanks. Chris from Darwin picked up on that. Good stuff. And uh, we shall uh, be back with Staffy, our man Staffy. We know exactly where he is. Uh, he's primed and ready to go.